Friday, August the 4th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have a busy weekend ahead of lots of content for you. Two different shows that'll be dropping on this one. Lots of Friday racing. We're going to get you a Friday Woodbine early pick five preview. Races two through six. Remember, there's a $50,000 guaranteed pick five pool every Friday, every Thursday, Friday, 50K, Saturday, Sunday, 100K in that early pick five. Then we'll get into Saratoga and Del Mar best bets for Friday. Then we shift on over to NFL. We continue along with our team-by-team previews. We move to the NFC. We've already previewed all of the AFC teams division by division. Eric joins me. We're going to get into the NFC East. We talk 49ers. We talk Seahawks. We talk Rams. We talk Cardinals. And then we'll finish up this episode with Secret Invasion, the season finale. We don't sugarcoat it. It did not end well. There were some positives in the season, but overall, the last two episodes leave a very bad taste in the mouth of many Marvel and MCU fans. It was one of the lowest rated pieces of content in all of Marvel, and the last episode of the series, I believe, is the lowest episode of any movie, show, or anything MCU related. So, lots of holes. There probably a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor that could have been better. Tim Kelly and I are going to get into Secret Invasion, the finale, the deep dive scene-by-scene recap and review. So on this episode, Friday, Woodbine, Saratoga, Del Mar, NFC East preview, or excuse me, NFC West preview with Eric, NFC West. We're getting the Seattle, San Fran, Rammies, and Cardinals, and then Secret Invasion with Tim Kelly. Let's dive on in and start talking some horse racing for Friday. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge by Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Some Stable Duel contests on Friday over at Del Mar, so we'll give you a couple horses to use in your Stable Duel lineups. Remember, these are like daily contests, and the format is similar to that of DFS. A lot of you have probably played DraftKings and FanDuel when it comes to football, building your lineup where you have to pick a salary cap. And so you, you have to you know fill out a salary cap. So you can't just pick the chalk and the heavy favorite in every race along the way, just like you can't pick the most expensive quarterback and running back and wide receivers as you build your lineup. So you got to get creative. If you're someone who plays longer shots and longer prices, you'll like this. You can play all different style games, um, different you know entry fees, bigger games, smaller games. You can get some action some days, have a ton of fun, stable duel, Get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's start with Woodbine for Friday. I'm going to talk Woodbine early, pick five. Then we'll get to Saratoga, and then we'll get to Del Mar following that. Time to talk a little Woodbine Friday. We're going to be talking about August the 4th, and that early pick five at Woodbine starts in race number two, and it has a $50,000 guaranteed pick five pool every Thursday, every Friday. And every Saturday, Sunday, that pool bumps all the way up to $100,000 guarantee. Remember, at Woodbine, you can play with that 20-cent base wager and a lot of the exotics, including that pick five, that we're going to dive into. We're also going to dive into the past performances from DRF, the Daily Racing Form Formulator Past Performances. We encourage all of you to head to drf.com. And if you like these past performances, if you're someone who likes to use a DRF, you can get past performances for free with a DRF Bets account. So if you are playing the races, whenever you wager 50 bucks, you're going to get credit for another free past performance card. Right off the bat, they're going to give you 10. If you sign up and you use the promo code winning, you're going to get a $10 free bet, and they'll give you all the way up to a $250 deposit match bonus. So just go use the promo code winning, deposit the 250 All of a sudden, your 250 becomes 510 and you have 10 free DRF formulator past performances let's talk pick five for friday august the 4th so race number two six and a half furlongs on the turf course here and i'm gonna go to the outside with the number 10 in here 4k force i think this is kind of a wild card 
he has more speed than he was able to show in his last start. He hopped at the start and he kind of moved up in be inside of horses, but there was no room. He had to stop. He steadied back again. He was trying to push through and he was chasing a lone speed winner that day. He angled to the outside in the stretch. It's a much better than looks race last time out. And now the blinkers go on and they can really help the, the blinks come back on. I think as this horse is improving, and now dropping in class and the blinks come on. It could be just this perfect storm of everything coming together for the 10 4 K force. Who's eight to one, anything over five. We'll make a win wager there. Number three society's thunder third start off the bench. The debut race was very good back in May of 2022. The last two weren't, but ran into two horses that both came back to win their next start. So both of the races were live reloads. Rebel came back to win and beat winners, so two for two. And then most recently was behind Crumlin Lady, who came right back to win, and there were also multiple next out winners in this race. The winner came back in their next start to beat winners, and Colonel Mustard came back in the next start to break the maiden. So exiting a few live races, third start off the very long layoff, exited, you know, with with speed in this race too. Positives on the three, Society's Thunder, the nines, the other one for me, Street Serenade on the class drops, probably the horse to beat in here. Just had a bad start last time, and that was the first try on the turf. So this horse deserves another shot on the grass. Both siblings won on the turf. It was it was it wasn't a bad start as much as it was right after the start. A fine start and then just dropped out of it. And the winner went gate to wire. I'll go 10 3 9 all over the place. Others to include the two. Secret Camelot, second start back off the long, long layoff. You feel like if this horse has got anything, he's going to show it here. He's a six-year-old gelding, so he's only made he's only made three starts. He's had a lot of physical issues along the way. Wouldn't be shocked to see him show some improvement or show anything that he had here. And I'm in more of an under spot, but I think he will run better. If you're spreading around, that's, these are the kind of horses you throw in. The six trebuchet is a horse. You, usually I try to beat these types. You know, he's been consistent at the level recently, but he's just over 20 with, with so many tries in similar spots. 10 threes and nines for me all over. Under horses would be two and six if you're going a little bit deeper as we turn the page to race number three. Five and a half furlongs on the synthetic $15,000 claimers, non-winners of three. The two inside horses I'll build around. Alan Diggs, shout out to uh, the Bills fans here. This one looks by far the quickest early. And then you have the one boxer brief who kind of loomed up into second up to challenge, but the winner that day went wire to wire. His race was pretty good. The rail going five and a half, it can be a little tricky, but I'll use the one and the two all over the place. If you wanted to go a little bit deeper, others that I would look to include the five stylish gent, a little bit intriguing, um, cutting back now. The two starts back race on June 23rd was not bad. At this level, tried tougher and tried longer last out. Can you just get back to the June 23rd race? And he's super playable off that. The seven and eight swath last out winner. And the barn's just been very, very live. And then on the uh, the outside, the eight sugar is golden. A player, third start off the layoff, drawn well. A, a fit in here. I just, I thought it was more one in the two. I think... She's kind of the key to the race. Can she be quick enough to put any pressure on Alan the Diggs, Swath, another one? Are these horses fast enough to make him work at all 
you know, stylish gent, even any of them. I don't know. I think, I think the, the two is just a little faster than everyone else in here. And the one might be a horse who can benefit if, uh, if the pace does become a little contentious. So ones and twos all over five, sevens, eights underneath, or if you want to go a little bit deeper as we move to race number four, the five tough uh, to root against this guy. He's a 10 year old. Now he's going to be making his 70th career start and he's going to be in a really good spot. He's still running. Well, he won three times last year. He's been in the money in three of his five starts and he's coming up on $500,000 in earnings. He should get a trip too, because the way this race shapes up on paper, you've got the one who's pretty fast and the rail draw, the two striking moon. He's not that fast, but I think putting a little bit of pressure on big investment is quick though. And even a horse like Haley's hero, I think will be pressing kind of forwardly placed chance sell quick. It's a game night wire to wire winner, two starts back going five and a half and then take a chance. So big field possible four, five different horses, all flashing some speed in here. A uh, horse who I'm looking to is the number 10 at a big price race for pinks. Let's watch this race. We haven't, we haven't watched any, uh, any races. This was going seven furlongs on the turf last time out. And of course we're going to be watching. He's the number three in this most recent race. So race for pinks had a fine start right with a, a group that all was forwardly placed and that all wanted to be kind of close to the lead. He ends up sitting second or third. He's in between though, in, in the second flight of horses, you can see he's three deep and in between. And all of a sudden he's going to get stuck in a little bit of, of traffic here and now getting kind of shuffled a, a little bit right in between horses. Now still really no, no room trying to hold position in there twos to the inside. You see the nine to the outside and the three is just right in the middle, but can't get to the outside of Ron's gizmo. And now all of a sudden race for pinks really just has to tap on the brakes. And as the field surrounds him, just absolutely nowhere to go. Look at how far back he continues to get pushed because he has no room and kind of searching around. And then it just ends up a little bit flat. And now we'll go third, start off the bench. This is a race where, you know, the winner, Ron's Gizmo, as we saw, was a horse who was right up on the front. So now you look at a few different things for this big, big price. Can this horse get a trip? Look at the overall grass form. It's a horse who beat 25 non-winners of three back in October. And that was the, the last grass start before the June 25th one. And that June 25th start going seven. Now you're cutting back to six and a half. You're getting some class relief here. And maybe you, you get some pace to run at after chasing a wire to wire winner last time. I think this horse at 20 to one's got a big shot in here. Race for pinks going to be in the mix for me. No doubt with the five, those will be my top two. The three ready hero would be another. I'd be okay. Using had a big, big price. Just trying to figure out where this horse fits and Haley's hero, the six. I mean, he wouldn't surprise. I just preferred the five out of the very same race on, on July the 14th, but this horse could put himself in a nice spot if he's not pushing the pace. Can he just sit right behind them? 10, five, six, and three for me, but uh 10 horse. We'll put a few bucks to win on race for pinks there at a big price. Let's move to race number five. 
mile and a 16th on the turf course here. I'm going to move to the eight, Sunyani. First time gelding. I hope they just get really aggressive with him and try to send hard. Second start off the long layoff, stretching out. Just try to wire this field. I, I hope that's the game plan. Drops, first time gelding, second off the long layoff. Just stretch out and go. One in the two will be in the mix for me. See our hot shot. He ran into some traffic down on the uh, inside towards the rear. He was eighth, about six lengths off, but he had some really nice late energy up the rail. And the two Air Force Reserve, I mean, off his his recent form, his last two races, he's the horse to beat. Eight, two, and one. I'd be okay giving a look to a horse like the six also. I'm, I'm kind of colder on the six at a shorter price, but depending on how you put your tickets together, I'm, uh, I'm eight, two, one. Six would be an under type horse for me, but wouldn't shock at the reduced level. Let's turn the page to race number six. Six furlongs on the synthetic. Thought a pretty tough way to close out the pick five here. I'm going to go to the nine to start bridge to nowhere. It was claimed for 15, stepped up and tried tougher, and it was a good effort. He hopped at the start. He completely misses the break, and he's on the inside. But he ends up moving into contention within about two lengths, and then he gets shuffled in the inside. He comes on again through traffic and just keeps trying. It looked multiple times like he was done. I said he, she, this three-year-old filly, and she just kept coming. The race already came back live. The runner-up, Rocket Riley, came back to win on Thursday, I believe. Yeah, August the 3rd. Bridge of the Nowhere is going to be in the mix for me. The seven, I'm a bourbon girl, is also a player in here. Speed, getting class relief here. I think this is the one to catch. Who else is as fast as her in here? We've seen some others show speed, not the type of speed that she has shown. So I'd have a hard time not having her close out uh, in the closeout leg of the pick five. The one secret gizmo at a big price. She was three deep. She was in between horses in that second flight, and she ran into some traffic. You know, she was a little green, but she ran in spots, and she's flashed some ability. The two Delwana Princess, they're just going to get a big drop. She's a half, a half to a horse named State of Honor who has multiple graded stakes placed. And she has seven winning siblings. State of Honor was third in the play trial. Was third in the Sam F. Davis. Was second in the Tampa Bay Derby. Was second in the Florida Derby before running in the Kentucky Derby. The eight Golden Susie would be another if you're spreading, if you're going deeper. This horse was right on the lead on July the 2nd. That was on the synthetic. Last time out, tried the turf. Should be a fair price, and I think will be more forwardly placed as she has been in her last two. Nine, seven, one, two, eight would be how I stack this race up to look at the pick five for Friday at Woodbine. Best of luck. That pick five starts in race number two. Post time, 136 Eastern time for that early pick five on Friday. $50,000 guarantee in the pool. I will have coverage, either videos or segments on the podcast. Every single day that Woodbine is racing. So make sure to come follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Good luck on Friday over at Woodbine. Let's move on over to Saratoga. 
going to give you three plays for Friday for Saratoga. So I've been kind of back and forth filming some of the videos with the past performances. I've been doing that a little bit more recently. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see some of those videos, and then I'll take the audio from some of those. So I just I had the audio recorded from the Woodbine Pick 5. I... I'm just going to run through Saratoga and Del Mar, so there's no videos for those, but we will have videos for Saturday, and uh, we already have a couple out there for Saturday, Louisiana, six stakes races on Louisiana Cup Day, and Saturday at Saratoga. So if you want some help with those races, you can already go to Twitter, it's me, Gino B, or my YouTube, and you can look at uh, look at those streams and follow along and get prepared for Saturday. Let's talk Friday, Saratoga race number one. I like the number three, Ludwig, who's 4-1 to one on the morning line here. This guy hasn't done a whole lot wrong in his career. You can look at the, the couple of the poor performances, and I think you can be forgiving for them. He's raced five times. His career debut, he gets involved in the race early, but he was going a mile in a 16th, and then he just backs up. Four races in a row, he's been sprinting. He ran second against Maiden Special Weights at Oaklawn. Then on May the 7th last year in 2022, he shows a little bit of speed. He backs up. He finishes 7th. And he's off for almost a year, for 11 months. In that race at Churchill, he finishes behind Strobe and Elite Power. Strobe is multiple graded stakes placed, has three 100 buyer speed figures. Elite Power has run every race since, all eight. Then... When Ludwig returns from a layoff, he comes back on April the 29th, going six furlongs. He runs into a horse named Sidekick, who got an 80 buyer speed figure winning that race. May the 21st, Ludwig was three of four pressing. He was right up on the lead. He kind of got shuffled back. He tried to come on again. The blinkers come on. He's a first-time gelding. The winner that beat him last time out came back to win a first-level allowance next time out. The fourth-place finisher came back to win next time out. He's exiting live races. He's run well in those live races. And now he gets a couple key adjustments with the blinkers coming on and a first-time gelding. I think he fits really well in here. Ludwig, 4-1 to one on the morning line, the number three in race number one. If he's anything over 5-2, to two, I will uh, put a bit to win on him. I think that's fair value. Let's move to race number seven. This one is the Saratoga Oaks. Two graded stakes races on the Friday card at Saratoga. A couple of horses that I I like in here and that will be in the mix for me. The 7 Papilio did have a, a very tough troubled trip last time out. I don't know how good that particular group was. But she's a good measuring stick for this field. The Selenia was really impressive winning the Honeymoon. And she's been very impressive overall visually. Again, I don't know how good she is. I don't know who she's been beating is a better way of saying it. She's very good. I don't really have any knocks on her. Shierga puts herself in a really good spot. She fits. And then of the the imports, Elusive Princess and American Sonia would be in the mix for me. So if you're playing some sort of late exotics, those would be the ones. I'd lean Shierga and I think Papilio is probably my top two in here. But I, I would be using probably combinations of all the ones we mentioned in that Saratoga Oaks. In, in the Grade 2 Hall of Fame, which is race number 8, I like the number 6, General Jim. I think you want to play him in this race because you'll get value on him 
based on his last effort. He's six to one on the morning line. If he's anything over four or you know seven to two plus, I think that's value. He's getting back to the turf. He was very good on the grass. His speed figures weren't quite as good. That was earlier on in his career. He's just a better horse now. And he just didn't really get in into the race last time out chasing. His path day mile two back was really good. And he's been a very honest horse. He should sit a nice trip in here. I like the number six, General Jim. Others that uh, would include the nine behind enemy lines. He continues to improve. I think he fits with this group really well. He was behind Webslinger and Farbridge and Major Dude in the tough American turf two back. And then Carl Spackler. It's a tough draw for him. He's pretty talented. Six nines and tens for me. But the six horse will be the one that we look to play. General Jim, if he's anything over seven to two. So a look at some of the Friday races at Saratoga. Best of luck on Friday in races 1, 7, and 8. I mean, best of luck all over, but 1, 7, and 8 are the places that I'll be playing on Friday at Saratoga. Let's move on over and finish with the Friday racing. Let's talk some Del Mar. Before we do, let's talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. And she's a full-service realtor. That means she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to lenders if you need help with a home loan. She can help connect you to vendors if you need help with home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of great folks that she has experience with and she's worked with. She just wants to make your life easier. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. Anything you need in the world of real estate Contact Cindy Carava, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Let's get to Friday, Del Mar, August the 4th. We're looking at races 5, 6, 7, and 8. Late part of the card. And remember, this is a late post time. 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. First post, 4 p.m. local time. Where the turf meets the surf down in old Del Mar. Fifth race, the number one, Golden Again. 8-1 to one on the morning line. This three-year-old filly's in really nice form right now. Her grass races have been excellent. She just does not run poorly on the grass. She fires each and every time. You can eliminate her one dirt race out of her last string of six consecutive turf races in which you're left with five in-the-money finishes and one close fourth. Five straight in-the-money finishes. She's honest. She just beat Open Company in a 50-starter and now she's back in with Calbreds. And it's a step, it's a first level allowance, right? So the level is a step up, but moving from the open company race to back in with Calbreds, it's kind of a lateral movement. Now, this is a, a good race. There's a couple nice horses in here, a couple nice fillies, but she can save all the ground. The pace should be very honest. You look at the two essential business stretching out. I figure that filly will be close to the lead. Rosie Forecast wants to be pretty close. Tamara Mine, I think, wants to be right there. Cornelia Fort should sit a good trip. I had that one, too, as a little more of a, a deeper closer. But there should be a fair amount of speed in here. You know, Golden again can save ground, get the trip, come running. Is she good enough? We'll find out, but she's 8-1, to one, and I think anything over 5 is worthy of a win wager. Golden, again, the number one in race number five. Eight to one on the morning line. Our value line is five, so five and above, 
we're okay with making a win wager there. Sixth race is the real good deal. $175,000 stakes race for Calbreds. And you have some nice ones in here going seven furlongs. Kangaroo Court was favored in the Pat Day Mile, which is an open grade two race on Kentucky Derby uh, week undercard and on that weekend. So off of his three consecutive victories against Calbreds, he was favored against Open Company. Bus Buzz has a couple monster wins, and his only two defeats have come to Kangaroo Court. I feel like those two horses are going to be wrapped up with each other, focusing in on each other. The one who I'm a little interested in is the two, Giver Not a Taker, who has been facing Open Company in his last two. He's going to go third, start off the bench. You can toss the turf race. He ran, he ran into a horse named Moose Mitchell, who's won three in a row with 88, 95, and 92 buyers. More Tequila is a baffer who won his second straight. Give or not a taker actually broke on top in his last start. And then he was back to last in a race where the winner won pretty easily. I think he's got a, a little bit of ability. And I actually feel like he might float up if a ton of money comes in on both Kangaroo Court and Bus Buzz. The number two, giver, not a taker in race number six. He is five to one on the morning line. We'd need that. I wouldn't want to take less than five on him, though, in this race. That that's the price we need. Seventh race, five furlongs on the turf course. Turn on the Jets loves five on the turf. He loves Del Mar. He's prepped for this race. He has the June 16th race to shake off some of the rust. He was traveling well down on the inside. He was about two or three lengths off. He moved up the rail, but he couldn't get all the way through. And now he'll be fitter. He returns to Del Mar where he's done his best work. I think Turn on the Jets is a horse I would single in the late exotics in race number seven. That's the number four, Turn on the Jets, three to one on the morning line. Race number eight, I'm looking at the two Tahoe Secrets. Who's going to go second start off the long layoff? This gelding is going to cut back. He didn't race from August to June. Shows up in June. And he got kind of pushed out to the five or six path. And he just ran like a horse who needed the race. He was sitting third, and then he just sort of got floated out. Tahoe Secret. Second start back off the long layoff. Five to one on the morning line. Anything over seven to two is fair value there. So let's look at Delmar Friday. Races five, six, seven, and eight. We gave you Woodbine Friday. Pick five. Three horses to play over at Saratoga. Four more that we're looking at at Del Mar. Be disciplined with the lines. Remember, if these horses get over bet, don't play them. Demand the value. There's so many races. There's so many different tracks. There's so many opportunities. Be really disciplined. Be stubborn when, uh, when you're wagering. Good luck on Friday playing the races. Let's move on over and start talking some NFL. We're going to go NFC West. 49ers, Seahawks, Rammies, and the Cardinals. Eric joins me to preview all four of the NFC West teams. Let's dive on in. We are halfway home in our NFL team-by-team previews. Eric joins me as we move on over to the NFC. Eric, we dive into the West, and it was jarring for me diving because I do a lot of my work overall. You know, I'll look at a lot of the stuff for uh, at the beginning of the year a couple months ago and take notes and sort of start stacking my notes for each team. But 
when we do these previews, I really get into the teams probably a little bit more than I had. Uh, and comparing the NFC to the AFC is just wow that there's so many better teams on paper in the AFC this year than in the NFC. It just looks like such a stronger conference. And this NFC West division could be one of the weakest divisions in football, honestly, even with a team that's supposed to be really good, like the 49ers, because we don't know who the hell is playing quarterback for them. Um, projected the Rams and Cardinals are supposed to be two of the worst teams in the league. When you look at a lot of power rankings and a lot of uh, ranking units, they're not really talented. So Eric, overall, this division may be kind of weak, but in a weaker NFC, something that we talked about, we might see some teams that maybe aren't as good that win more games than we expect. Maybe the Rams and Cardinals win a few more games, even with not as strong of a roster, because overall this conference is not that strong. There are not very many good teams. Yeah, there's not much margin of error between this Rams, I feel, with the Seahawks and the 49ers. Cardinals obviously are kind of up against it. They're kind of doing the hard um, – hard reset so you gotta you gotta figure that with them um so they're gonna be a little bit behind the uh behind the eight ball compared to the other teams but in terms of the 49ers you know you kind of hit the nail on the head we really don't know who the starting quarterback is gonna be is it gonna be lance is it gonna be brock purdy or is it gonna be sam darnold uh the type of offense they'll be running it will be determined by who the starting quarterback is with lance it'll be more rpo based the other two more of a traditional west coast offense that's my first area of concern with the 49ers. And it's it's a team that has been really good, and their top-tier talent is very good, right? They've got some excellent players all over the all over the football. McCaffrey, uh, Debo, Ayuk had a great year last year. George Kittle is perennially one of the best players in the league and at his position. Trent Williams is one of the better. But I don't think they're as deep this year. I think they're they're more top heavy at, at these positions, and I don't think there's quite as much depth on the defense. And in particular, Eric, the one place I want to start with is the offensive line, because what makes this San Francisco team good is they have a creative play caller, a good coach, uh, offensive mind in Shanahan. He makes things easy for their offense, but he's able to have guys in motion. Um, all sorts of bells and whistles because the offensive line has been pretty steady. When you have an offensive line that's not necessarily one of your strengths, you can't get as creative, right? You have to be more uh, kind of basic, kind of straightforward because if these guys are not able to fill gaps, if they're not, if they're committing penalties because you're trying to do too much for them, it could be difficult. This offensive line is not going to be nearly as good as they were last year. They bring back Trent Williams, but they lost their starting right tackle. They're going to be having starters that haven't been starters before and counting on them. And that's just the first thing for a line that we don't know who's going to be the quarterback. If there's not going to be chemistry between a line and a quarterback either, because the line's new and they're going to be maybe two or three different quarterbacks all in the mix here early on until they really figure out who's going to be the guy. And we don't have that solid unit out in front. It makes for a new quarterback coming in, like a Darnold, someone who's coming back from an injury, Purdy, or someone with not a lot of experience, Lance, it makes stuff hard. 
and it also can lead to some silly false starts, just like missing assignments. Obviously, they do have Trent Williams back. He's one of the better ones in the league. I project them to have four new starters. And every year I do my little um, my little rankings in terms of offensive line. Since I started doing them, this is the lowest I've, I've had the 49ers ranked. Yeah. Um, obviously, CMC, you know, if we shift our attention to the running back room, Elijah Mitchell went down with an injury today. Um, so does that mean more? We're recording this on Thursday night. I got a notification, oblique injury. So what does that do to Debo now? Is Debo going to be featured a little bit more sure. in the running game? That's something to monitor. Obviously, CMC is going to be a workhorse. But I'll be honest, in my eyes, if they're smart, they're not going to work CMC to death, especially behind no. this offensive line. I, you, I, you I want think they're going to get a healthy. little bit more Debo. You know, obviously Mitchell, um, I don't know their depth chart off the top of my head, but I don't think they're just going to work him to death just because he does have a history, excuse me, of of injury. When you look back at his career, you know, they have Jordan Mason. They have the, uh, oh, they have Davis and Prince from LSU, second-year player. So they, those guys could get some run. I I don't know how much I would trust CMC to be the quote unquote workhorse. Um, I like Debo this year. I like Debo a lot. I think he's really undervalued in fantasy in terms of betting. Uh, he actually sent you a couple pictures too, right? I did. You got did. A, you, you're, you're you're on the in the group chat along with Coach Shanahan. Debo loves sending shirtless pictures to everybody just to let us know, and I say us to let them know that he's in uh, that he's I, in great shape. He I leads all. Qualifying receivers with 64% of his receiving yards coming after the catch the last two years. And he leads the NFL with 85 forced missed tackles uh, on receptions since coming into the league uh, in 2019. Yeah, he's a stud. And it does take a little pressure off of whoever's the quarterback that you have Debo, you have Kittle, you have Ayuk, who had a really good year last year, uh, sort of quietly. He had a career high in receptions, 78 over a thousand yards, and he had eight touchdown catches. He was the only player on the team that had 70 plus receptions and 800 plus yards last year. You know, there are lots of positives for this team. Like they're, they're a talented team, but Eric, I think we both feel like their margin for error isn't going to be the same. They've been to the NFC championship three of the last four years. They've lost in the last two. They've made the NFC title game six of the last 12 years, so half. Yeah. But they're only two and four, and they haven't won a Super Bowl. And the Patriots and the Chiefs are the only other teams that have made the conference championship five times or more, and they both have two Super Bowls. They change up the defensive coordinator. Ryan's left, and now you bring in Wilkes, who did a good job as the interim head coach. But now this defense has been really comfortable, familiar. This was one of the things they leaned on. They had a strong defense and now you have a new coordinator there. So is this defense going to be exactly the same defense that's only allowed 18.9 points per game since 2021? You know, the second lowest in the total, uh, second lowest total during that stretch. They led the NFL in scoring and in total defense last year. Bosa, defensive player of the year, 18 and a half sacks. One thing that does worry me too, Eric, they had a bunch of turnovers and takeaways. They had 30 takeaways, which was tied for second, and they're 9-1 in in games with multiple takeaways. They're always going to be a good defense that probably has more than less turnovers, 
Like they'll create more than they will turn it over, but it's that's like a hard thing to, to, to sustain a really wide margin or to do it over and over and over and win by three or four or five turnovers. They traded three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get Lance. We've seen him make four starts. Think about all the other picks and the other capital they could have on this team, too. Like, they could be a lot deeper and better if they didn't spend up for someone who, whether it be injury or sort of lack of preparation, we've only seen him in four games. Yeah, we really don't know what he is. I'm not that high in him. You mentioned the thing about Wilkes. The thing to remember, and this is the, this is the analogy I I make the most, and I think kind of helps people understand, is NFL coordinators are a lot like the game of risk. They each have a different way they think the game should be played. So there is this whole new, sorry, the the whole personnel is there for the most part, but Wilkes likes to blitz a lot more. He blitzed at a 29% rate last season. Is he going to do that with the 49ers? I don't, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know if he's going to look to see what Ryan ran or is he going to come in and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Because one thing he likes to do is he likes to do this wide nine system. I hate the wide nine because it really makes it easier for the running backs to do the zone concept running. And when you have someone like McVay, someone like the Cardinals who will get to later that are going to have a good running game in Seattle. I mean, I know Kenneth Walker and Cabernet are down right now, but this rookie from Georgia, everyone's talking about, has been the highlight of the camp. So I think you're going to be able to kind of run on them back for they, they miss. Well, they struggled last year against the Eagles, really, too, stopping the run. Their interior of the off- of the defensive line isn't, isn't nearly as good as, like, the edges, right? They're great on the outsides, but up the middle, they're not quite as strong. And then next – and then, excuse me, uh, they're back four – they play Wilkes likes to play a lot of man to man. The guys that are there that are still there aren't good at man to man. Excuse me. So if Bosa, Armstead, and company, if they can't get home, because the thing that can hide a bad secondary the best is a front four, because they make the quarterback rush through his progressions. If those guys can't get home, Bosa gets hurt, whatever, that's gonna make the secondary, the secondary, excuse me. A lot me, of pressure. You know, are they going to be able to do it? Um, I know. I know. For me, I'm looking at two bets. The first bet I locked in. We talked about Debo. I really think with Debo is he was second in um, targets, and no, sorry, second in target share with 25. percent Honestly, he's going to be first in target share if he didn't get hurt. I feel he's going to get 100 touches this year in the passing game. I feel he's going to get off. So with that being said, I see his receiving prop only at 725 and a half yards. And if we're projecting the defense to be worse, what does that mean? Them giving up more points, them throwing more. And I know you're like, well, what about the quarterback? I I think it's going to be short stuff to these guys, right? Like short stuff to Debo, short stuff to Kittle, just get it in their hands. The rumor that I heard that has wheels from the people I've talked to is if Minnesota starts out slow, we could see cousins, cousins be on the move. That'd be just a fun room of quarterbacks. 49ers are favored yeah. to win this division. They're minus yeah. 190, Eric. They're over under is like 10 and a half on the win total. Um, and, and then I go took ahead. them under 10 and a half. Yeah. I mean, 
when I say stuff in my brain, like sometimes I really feel you just need to kind of sit back and just say stuff out loud. Out loud. You have a team that's switching defensive coordinators, a team that doesn't have a starting quarterback, and a team that's losing four offensive linemen that can be thrown out. Yeah, that, and and right. So right there, all of those units and all of those spots they should be weaker than they were last year in all of them and i you know they're six and oh against the division last year how much better can they be right they picked up all six wins against their division if they stub their toe once or twice you know they they're a team that the last few years i've i've always sort of played against and this year like coming in looking at it if they just had any sort of consistency in the quarterback room like if they if they brought the same team back from last year that they had, they could win 15 games. Honestly, like they they could be that good, but they didn't bring the same team back. There's questions at the quarter quarterback. There's questions at the offensive line. There's questions about what the defense is going to look like now with the new defensive play caller. Eric and I are a little cold on the 49ers, and I'm also uh, on the uh, Debo over receiving yards as one of my plays. They have five primetime games. Two Thursday games, two Monday games, back-to-back road games to start the season, and we don't know who's playing quarterback. And they play at Pittsburgh right away. Which so is elite defense. I mean, a tough place to play. Yeah, I weeks I'm five through Pittsburgh. eight, they play Dallas, then at Cleveland, at Minnesota, and back home against Cincinnati. Those are four games you could lose all four of those games. They yeah. honestly, Forty um, Niners. When you have those primetime games, Thursday, Monday, your schedule's just off. You don't get the flow of every week. Here's what the, the schedule is for this week. Uh, Monday, we do this. Tuesday, we do this. Wednesday, we do that. You don't get that. And it's kind of hard to, to get into a rhythm as we move from the 49ers to the Seahawks. Seattle is your second choice in the division. Their over-under is eight and a half. And you can get them in the plus 200. And it's already up to plus 230 here on DRF Sportsbook. Young tackles on the offensive line. They played well early last year. Then they kind of hit that rookie wall. They struggled down the stretch. They can improve. And that's one thing I really like about this team, Eric. They've got a lot of young pieces offensively and defensively. And so that's how you overshoot your projections. When you have young guys that can improve rapidly. And they're better than they were supposed to be. Can these offensive linemen get a little bit better? Gino was very good last year and it, it worried me initially. Like, and I can, I think you might kind of be in this, in this range. And I understand why if, if I'm just going to be cold on Gino this year because he was so good last year and it kind of came out of nowhere. I do think a lot of that had to do with just, he was in a good spot. He's going to be in that same spot again with that same system. Those a lot. So same receivers, he's not going to be playing against very difficult competition, I don't think he will have as good of numbers, but you know they brought in JSN, look rookie wide receiver. They've already got Metcalf and Lockett. I don't think he has to be perfect. The deep ball was very, very good last year. Um, they struggle stopping the run. That could hurt them against teams like San Francisco because San Francisco will run to run the ball, and they had to play them three times. They even had a bad game against Tampa, who couldn't run the ball at all. They do bring back Bobby Wagner, probably p- past his best, but he's a nice leader who's been around and he can help some of these young guys. Th- I, I think one of their real strengths, Eric, could be cornerback. Um, 
They had Woolen last year who led the league with interceptions and they drafted Witherspoon. I think they could be very good back there. Um, they got to get a little bit better in the red zone last year. They didn't have that great conversion rate. So I just, I look at this division and more than loving Seattle and thinking they're one of the best three or four teams in football, I think they're just better than most of the teams in the NFC. I think they're sort of a little better than they were last year. And San Francisco's maybe just not as good as they were last year. And I think Seattle can win this division. I, I'm going to play them at plus 230, Eric, to win the division. I wouldn't play them to win the Super Bowl because I don't think they're that good. It's so, it's more of like a process of elimination for me in the division of who I think has the the right price and can do it. And you're going to talk about the Rams a little bit, who is a really who are a really fun team to take a bigger swing on. But Seattle doesn't really have to do much different than they did last year if San Francisco just kind of comes back to life by a game or two. Get into San yeah. Francisco, get into Seattle, Eric, and you have some strengths, some weaknesses. Talk about some of the things that you like and some of your concerns. Geno Smith, as you mentioned, had his best season of his career. But the real question is, we gotta understand why. Why would was he put in? Why was he put in the situation to succeed? And the reason was OC Shane Waldron. He did exactly what McVay did with Goff. Important to note, he was on the staff with the Rams when the Rams went to the 49ers, went to the Super Bowl, and they lost to the Patriots. Basically, fastly, Seattle gets to the line, and then Waldron is in the ear telling Gino, hey, this is what's going on. So he doesn't have to disciple plays. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to do any of the pre-snap Sort of stuff. like a third baseman, right? Where you're out there and you're just going to react. You know, he can just yeah. react and be an athlete and not have to do two things, process, read the defense, all that stuff. He just trusts what's what's told to him and, and runs and executes the play. Exactly. And that was great. You mentioned the deep ball. Eighth lowest attempt. So is quality over quantity with them. So they weren't throwing it deep that much. But when they did, they were really good at it. The offense is designed to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Obviously, with Lockett, JSN, and Metcalf, you got three great wide receivers. So that is really good for Geno Smith. I'm a little bit perplexed with the draft pick of Cabernet. Because now you have Cabernet. And you have Walker. You just literally anytime just you draft the running back that high, you better really like them. And it's like you gotta really need them. And it they didn't really need one. It's it's not like in a in a football sense. Okay, now that you have it, they have a good balance in, in the backfield, right? They're a good one-two punch because they're different backs. But was that the best use of your capital? Right? Could they yeah. have taken that and got an offensive lineman? Or like you, you're gonna point out, right? Because they they drafted a couple last year. Yeah, I thought that was great what they did last year. But just to piggyback what you said, they got Kenny McIntosh from Georgia, who is a freaking stud. He is doing so good at camp that Carroll said, even if Walker and Cabernet are okay. This are guy's going to get some. This guy's going to get run. That's and so now you, you. Now you're like, a three-headed monster. So like. I don't know. Like the, the whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. I loved what they did last year. Hey, let's use high draft capital. 
Let's start building, building from the out, from the inside out. Let's get two bookend tackles. Why not this year? Why not say, hey, you know what? Now let's get two interior guards. You know, just kind of build it out that way. So we have a young offensive line that can come together as one cohesive unit. That's what I don't understand. You mentioned the defense struggled against the run. They did switch teams, schemes to a 3-4. So because of the switch and schemes, they gave up a lot of rushing yards, but they were seventh in sacks. My worry is, what are they going to do to stop the run? You mentioned Bobby Wagner. He's 33 years old. He's kind of at that age where we see defensive players start that decline. I just have a lot of questions for this team. I, In my eyes, this team has the biggest difference between their floor. Widest margin, right? 11-win team, even a, maybe a 12-win team in a week NFC, or six wins. Yep. Right? Like, I, And I could absolutely see that because they're still young and – it's it's hard. I I think Geno Smith will be fine, like at least solid to fine. But it's hard to trust that when the when the guy's been around for so long and we haven't seen it enough. So uh, they have an early week, uh, early bye in week five weeks, and the schedule is a little tough. Like weeks nine through seventeen, in particular weeks twelve through seventeen. You go San Francisco da- at Dallas at San Francisco. Philadelphia at Tennessee and then back home for Pittsburgh. That's not an easy stretch of games right there. They got to be in good position coming into week 12, three primetime games, one Monday night game, two Thursday games where they could be really strong though. Eric is, you know, the secondary and the receiving unit, right? Those could be real strengths for them. If, if the rookie wide receiver that they brought in can contribute right now, and he's your number three, and he's going to match up against like the third best player in coverage units on opposing sides, and then Lockett is against the second best, that they could be good, and it could be easy for Geno. Easier, not easy. It's never easy to be a starting quarterback, but he won't have to do as much of the dirty work himself. Just kind of getting it in the, uh, the hands of his playmakers. Let's get to the final two teams in the NFC West. Let's go Rammies. Eric, their over-under is only six and a half. They are plus a thousand to win the division. They're coming off their first season where McVay was under 500. And what we're seeing with the Rams, why they kind of are struggling in the end of last year and into this year, they didn't have one first-round draft pick since 2016. Not one. So they haven't, They've every time they've had a first-round pick, they've traded it for a veteran win now. And they won now, Eric. I'm a Rams fan. We ju- we talked about this on your show the other day. You would trade in all of it for a Super Bowl right now. If it meant you were going to have a couple bad years after, sign me up for the Super Bowl because you can't ever get that back again, right? Like you can, you're never promised one of those ever. So no. totally fine with them doing it. They're just young. 40 of the 90 players are rookies. They had 14 draft picks from this year overall. Um, that were not first round picks. They just, they got to get better in some spots. Their offense was miserable. And the one thing about them, Eric, and talking with you more and more and why I feel a little bit better about them, they don't have a whole lot of talent. Like their defense isn't going to be nearly as good as it was when they won the Super Bowl or in some of their better years. Overall, they've got one receiver and he got hurt the other day. And now we really don't know for sure a- after him. But 
their offensive line had one of the worst, like bad luck years of any offensive line. I think I can remember in a, in a long time, they just didn't have anyone that was able to play. They had one offensive lineman play more than 750 snaps. They had two play 500. Only one appeared in all 17 games. They had four different players start at left guard and six different players start at right guard last year. And then immediately they bring in this guy from TCU Avila who should start right away. And no boom was hurt a bunch. That offensive line is going to be better. And so they're just not going to be as bad overall because of that. You can't do anything when your offensive line is that bad. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't move the ball at all. It was a turnstile up there. It was just a revolving door of different players. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you mentioned the offensive line. When the offensive line had their struggles, it just kind of went downhill. Stafford got hurt. With him not back there, the offense really was not that good. He's been insanely injured over the last part of his career. So we can kind of see the writing on the wall that his time in this league is coming to an end, which as a Detroit boy, that's, that breaks my heart. Offensive line, they need Noteboom and they need Avila, the rookie from TCU that you mentioned, to stay healthy. That guy is a stud. Rams led the league in running to the left side. They Two years ago when, oh my God, the, the guy with the big head who retired, I'm spacing on his name. Who's that guy? Oh my God. Who is your left tackle? Oh, 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 uh, uh, well, Whitworth. Whitworth. When he was there, you guys had an NFL record running behind your left tackle. We were the awesome. whole offense is designed to run behind the left, left side. So they need no boom. They need Avila to stay healthy. They used the most 11 personnel last year in the league. That's one running back and one tight end. But once the offensive line started to struggle, started to hurt, what did they do? They started to go to more two tight end sense to help the tackles. Look, Cup, as you mentioned, got hurt, but he's he's the only game in town. He's a clear cup number one. He finished as wide receiver 23, and he only played till week 10. Just let that sink in for a little bit. Wide receiver 23 and only played to week 10. This guy, if healthy, you know, as Gino did mention, he did go down with an injury in camp but if he does come back this guy should be the third pick in your drafts if burrow's gonna miss any extended time obviously he goes up to the second pick look i was mr cam Akers a couple years ago when i started doing this stuff with you on your podcast with the draft coverage but i'm out on him this year look they tried to trade him they sent him home once everyone was sitting out and they were tanking last year toward the end of the season that's when they had their big run. And also, again, why two years in a row are you using high draft capital when you have no draft capital to begin with on running backs back-to-back years? That just kind of tells you something. You know what I mean? You're not going to do that unless you don't trust the dude back there. That's what that tells me. And so maybe you get a little – I could see maybe like a showcase early in the year. Maybe we play a few DFS games and then they try to trade him. Or something, right? Get, like I could see them doing that. Try to get a good couple good games out of him, trade him, and then you got the kid that you drafted, and you can get another get some sort of an at you know something from it, right? Some sort of an asset because yeah, it 
it doesn't make sense the way you're building your team. Why would you go out and get another back if this was going to be your workhorse this year? Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me at all. You know no. what I mean? When you kind of yeah. say it like that. Defensively, look, they have one of the best in the game in Aaron Donald. Having him on the field will help free up rush lanes for the other defenders, but he needs to stay healthy. I really like Jones. I like Young on the linebackers. They can stop the run, create pressure, drop back into coverage. And look, obviously Ramsey's not going to be there, but this Ramsey's at the point right now of his career where people fall in love with the lane, the yeah. name. And the kid Durant, I think they they liked this kid last year. He was the cornerback. He started to really improve. Week 13 on, he had a completion percentage over expectation of negative 10.6. That was the top five among rookies. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was very good. He was at the top of his class. And I think they feel comfortable about him being maybe a a shutdown type guy there. And that's why they let Ramsey go. Like, I'm not going to pretend like this is a Super Bowl winning team. I don't think they're that good. Talking with you the last few days and just looking around the NFC and McVay's a good coach. If Stafford's healthy, he's still better than a lot of options out there. He's currently 12th among active NFL quarterbacks heading into the year based on pro football focus grade. Four years younger than Aaron Rodgers, as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. You know, they started two and one last year. Then he was banged up, you could tell. And they were three and six, I think, in the games he started. But he could be a lot healthier now. He hasn't taken a lot of hits. He didn't play towards the end of the year. He should be healthy again. It, it does come down to cup though. Like if he's not out there, I don't know. They're, they're going to have a really tough time moving the ball. Like he has to be out there because he's so good and he's so good at getting open. He's such a good possession receiver. And then it gives you the opportunity to take a swing on a guy like a Van Jefferson. But if he's not out there and Van is getting locked down by like number one coverage, it's just going to be hard for everyone on this team to to produce. I, yeah. So it, it really does come down to how healthy will Cup yeah, be once the season healthy. starts. You know, they have Atwal, the guy from Louisville, who I've been high on. He's a little bit of a gadget-type player who I think should be getting 10, catches a, 10 touches a game. He's there. Uh, you know, you got Evans, who's decent, who they drafted. For the running back, you got Higby. I think there's value in this team just because you're getting 10 to one. You have the best quarterback in the division on the team. Am I wrong? Yeah. You have the best defensive player in the division on the team and the best receiver. And the, you know what I mean? So that would, no, you're right. That is funny. They would, yeah, they would have cup Stafford and then the, and Donald. I mean, and the only ones you could maybe say would be like a Bosa and then maybe like a Kittle or a Metcalf, you know, from the other teams. But I think they got it. Like, I think if those guys are on the field, they would have the three. Yeah, that is funny. That's a great point. So, I and you have the only Super Bowl winning coach, too. So, yeah, you know what? Oh, no, you have Carroll, too. I forgot about Carroll. My bad. But you have, like, one of the better coaches in the league. I just think yep. there's value here at 10-1. to 1. You have a division that's a little bit down. I know people, like – say they could be tanking to get a shot at Caleb, Caleb. but what I was told is Caleb. I like this played, and I like this, what you're told played pretty well to, to be QB one. Now, if you're getting paid that much, why, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'd want to go to no, the keep NFL. fighting on, man. Why and not especially- play one more year in college, have some fun. 
you know imagine I mean? if he like, won another Heisman this year and he could try to win like three Heismans? Yeah, you know, that would. Um, I oh, I like that. Yeah, Eric. He's, gonna win, he's not going to win another Heisman. The kid from Texas is their quarterback. So okay, but, he's already <laughs> there. We go. <laughs> um, a little college football future, but anyway, um, I don't. I don't know. Like I wouldn't bank on that. I just. I don't know. I, I think there's value on the Rams just because everyone else is down. And we just said it. They have a good coach, best quarterback, best defensive player, best wide receiver. So I think there's some value there. They're going to week, week NFC. They have two primetime games, three of the first four on the road, last two on the road. Can they just kind of get through that stretch to start and not be like, Oh, and four, right. Can you yeah. be just two and two in your first four? That would be nice because you could probably get the game at, at Indy where you win, I think, at Indianapolis. And then can you steal one either at Seattle or against San Fran home week two? They still haven't figured out their quarterback. You kind of know this team a little bit. You, you're familiar with them. That's key. So, Eric, you play, You took a little swing on them uh, in the division, right? Yeah, I took a swing on them in the division 10-1. to 1. I think there's some value there. And <sighs> – it's such a big number. There's going to be a mathematical way to hedge out at the end of the year if they're, they're in the running for it. Yeah, it is. Rams, third choice in the NFC West. We move to the Arizona Cardinals, and their over-under is four and a half. New general manager, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, but it doesn't really matter. when Quarterback-wise, they basically have like a backup quarterback for the moment because we don't know what's going to happen with Kyler Murray. He really wasn't playing well last year before he got hurt. He had nine big-time throws and 18 turnover-worthy plays before he tore his ACL. Lowest touchdown rate, lowest passer rating, lowest yards per attempt in his career. Um, And they have two first-round draft picks last year. So you start to wonder if this team is bad early. Like, do they even push getting Kyler back? And do you wait? And then, like, you can have a new general manager, a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator who can go draft their own guy. Yeah. Right. Next year and sort of start over. And then you've got Kyler, but right. That's, that's what hangs over this team so much. It's like contract is just so much. And and who's going to go take it. I know. And you can't get rid of them because there's a contract hit. Yeah. So it's just Uh, kind of like, it's going to be an interesting, I mean, they're projected to have the top pick and they have the Texans pick. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what, what did they do up there? Do they keep building their offensive line? You know, Marvin Harris is an junior is a stud from Ohio state. Yeah. Do they they get him like that big wide receiver? Uh, I really don't know what the four, what they're going to do at the top of the draft, but we're not doing our draft preview. Now we're talking about this team. Obviously the change in offense means not as much shotgun. They're going to be running more stuff under center West coast base. It's really designed to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast with the running back being more of a factor in the pass game. So Connor, right? Yeah. With that being said, and the improvements to the offensive line, you have to like James Conner this year, Corey Clement, who's been a journeyman type player in this league. He's the backup. So literally James Conner is somebody that's going to be getting 80% per game of the touches, if not more they, the running back. Position. They're wide. This is their group of wide receivers. Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and Zach Pascal with the tight end Zach Ertz. So they don't have a true number one. Brian's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and they don't have a true number one receiver either, right? So they they only have one real back. They've got like a bunch of number two to to three 
type wide receivers on their roster. And so this is a guy and, and with quarterback concerns with a team, that's not going to be very good. Like they're not going to want to light it up, right? They're going to want to try to run the ball, less possessions. Like you said, get the ball out of McCoy's hand quickly, get it in the hand of maybe Connor, maybe an Ertz, maybe Marquise Brown in some space, you know, uh, McBride who you mentioned maybe. So I, I don't think they're taking big strikes down the field. Like they're not that, that's not going to be that type for them. I, it's, it's hard for me when we look at this team to chalk up wins. So I can't bet them in anything season wide, but I can promise you, Eric, that probably by week four or five, this is going to be one of your and I, dar- our, our darling teams that we end up having to play a lot of weeks because they could lose a couple of weeks to start the year and get beat up. And then the lines will balloon. And then as a young team with a new coach and new coordinators, they'll get better. Like they'll start to improve and their coaches will start to figure it out. Their offensive coordinator, he's got a degree in economics and uh, an assistant at Harvard and Yale, but he's a first time play caller. Um, He's not, you know, so he's not going to come out probably right away firing on all cylinders, but he'll figure it out. This is a smart guy. The offensive line makes a little more sense and like you feel better about them getting a new coach, getting a new GM. Like you feel better about where they could be headed, but it's just so hard when you've got that kind of Kyler cloud hanging over because you don't know what's going to happen with him at any point. Do you get rid of him? Is he the guy that's going to be stuck there for a few more years? And he's sort of in a weird spot because you've got him with, uh, like a staff that it's not really their guy and he's on a team with a bunch of young guys that yeah, are, are like not ready to win right now. It, it might just not be a good fit. So I, I can't like, I can, and I think I said this to you when we talked on your show again, uh, I can't look at any game that they have on their schedule. That's a road game and say, Oh, there's a win for them. Yeah. You know, like you, you can't really. Tough. And you mentioned that the defense um, you mentioned how the offensive line is offensive corner is a first time play caller. Along with that, Gannon's been adamant he's not calling the plays. So they brought over Nick Rayless from the Eagles, who is on their staff. He's going to be the DC. He's going to be calling plays, and he's the youngest DC in the league who's never called plays before. There's just a lot of like, I really feel, and we've seen it before, calling plays in the NFL is a hard ass thing to do. And I really yeah. don't think people realize it. You have two coaches that never done it before. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a hiccup. Um, the cards, they do have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, but the whole premise of this defense is to create pressure without blitzing. And when you just kind of sit back and look at this defense, they have nobody there that can do that. So I just don't, I, I think this is going to struggle. Gannon's defensive system struggled to stop the run. They have nobody that could really stop the run. And another thing to think about, you mentioned how this OC is an intelligent guy. So if he's sitting back and he's seeing this defense struggle to stop the run and he has an improving offensive line because they got Paris Johnson, who's going to play left guard. And the guys all seem to sort of slot into better, like their, their line last year wasn't good. It was because a lot of guys were out of position. People yeah. were playing in their wrong spots. They're not bad off linemen overall. They're just in, they were in weird roles. They should be a little bit better settled this year. Yeah. 
And with that being said, maybe this is a team that plays with a slower pace that just leans on the run like the Bears yeah. did last year to make games competitive. And I think you go like early in the year, I'm probably going to try to play some unders with this team yeah. too in, in some of their games where, like we said, they're not going to try to get a, a lot of extra possessions. They're going to try to slow things down. You lean on Connor. I'm fine getting a, uh, you know, investing in Connor and in, in fantasy. And I will not be surprised if they do get beat up a couple times early and then we see some big lines and then they just start getting better and become a team that's covering big numbers. And that's what betting is all about. You know, it's, it's about adjusting and this is a team that I don't think can win the Super Bowl, but they might be a team that I bet a lot of weeks this year because their number is just too big. Arizona, they are the longest shot in the NFC West. Eric, let's put a bow on the NFC West. You took a big swing with the Rammies. You also went under with San Fran. Did you play the San Fran not to make the playoffs too? Or no, I, well, I played I a little on that. under just because it wouldn't surprise me if 10 wins, wins this division. Yeah. Wins this, wins this um, yeah. division. And, and, so. they, and the rest of the league, the rest of the conference might be bad. They could still make the playoffs. Yeah. Like so they I could really be a nine win team or an eight win team. I think though. this is a one. I think this is a one. One, one playoff. One playoff division or one playoff conf, uh, division here in the NFC West. Eric and I will dive into the NFC East next week. Make sure to give Eric a follow on social media. Check out all of the great work there. I joined him earlier in the week. We talked about the NFC West on his show. And uh, Eric, what do you got coming up this weekend? Um, I have my podcast that's going to be coming out Friday morning. Uh, we're going to be talking, we're doing a fantasy football preview of the Ravens. Chargers and Dolphins. Our buddy XFL Jim is going to share his CFL bets, and my boy Brandon, who is a professional eye racer, he comes on every week. There's NASCAR, and we talk NASCAR. Last week he gave out Busher at sixty to one. So, um, you know, we've had our best season so far. I think we have had nine winners. So sixty far. to one. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah, but it was a good week in NASCAR. We hit our head-to-head matchup, we hit our top 10 bet, and we hit our our winning bet. So it was a good week in NASCAR. So hopefully we can keep it going. Keep it going this week. Awesome, buddy. Thank you so much again for helping us out. Let's talk some NFC East next week as we keep moving along through the NFC. Don't go anywhere, folks. If you're listening to the podcast, still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What She Said. We are getting there. We are getting there all the way into the NFC now, and we'll hit the NFC East next week. Thanks to Eric for helping us out. Remember, we have all the AFC division uh, previewed team by team. If you want to just look week each of the last four weeks, we have uh, one done a week. Now we will finish up with Secret Invasion, the finale with Tim Kelly. First, though, don't forget about one of our friends over at Sarah Candles, C-E-R-A Candles.com, those all-natural soy wax candles. Use the promo code G-I-N-O, and it'll get you 10% off your purchase. If you like to burn candles, if you know someone who does, let them know that these are, are healthier for you. Non-toxic, no carcinogens, no pollutants. Soy wax candles actually burn a little bit longer, so they give you a better bang for your buck. And maybe you're looking for gifts sometimes when you're not exactly sure what to get someone. Candles are nice. You can get them a couple couple different scents for different seasons, different moods. SarahCandles.com. C-E-R-A Candles.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. 
Secret Invasion. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Tim Kelly joins me, and we're going to get into everything from Secret Invasion Season 1. It was a six-episode run on Disney+, Plus, new Marvel MCU TV show. That was not very good. Not very good. Um, and Tim and I talk about why, what went wrong, what could have been better, where were we frustrated as fans. And we don't, we don't hide it. Right, we love a lot of the content. We love a lot of the movies and shows that are out there. And when we when we do, we're going to tell you about it. But this one was frustrating. There were just so many things that didn't make sense. So many see, so many times it felt like we were missing a scene. We we there was a scene that was supposed to have happened before this to make us understand this more or to make us feel it a little bit more. So Tim and I will get into Secret Invasion, everything that went on in all six episodes. We really get into episode six, but talk big picture and overall on season one of Secret Invasion. Another Marvel MCU show movie in the books. We have your deep dive recap and review for Secret Invasion season one. We're going to talk about episode six, which was the finale. And I was looking and reading the last couple days. I believe this was the <laughs> lowest rated piece of Marvel MCU content out there. Yeah. Any TV show any movie uh, that exists so far. And Tim Kelly joins me as he has for all of these deep dives, everything since WandaVision we've, we've taken care of for yeah. you the last couple of years, all the shows, all the movies, everything on Disney plus. And I got to say, Tim, I think when I, when I um, will look back on this show and just think back mm-hmm. on the show, why it will kind of frustrate me as a fan is because I could see the possibilities and I could yeah. see why this could be a good show and how <laughs> with just a few tweaks, it could be a really good show. I think oh. there, there are a few, there, like there are some things that you're just not going to like in any, any, mm-hmm. like there are some movies or some shows like for me, Thor was fine. Like Thor love and thunder, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I didn't mm-hmm. love it that much. I thought they took a swing, but there are some things that you can understand. You're like, I'm just not going to like that. This mm-hmm. I would have liked had they just done things a little bit better. Had they treated this show like a movie, I would have loved Mm -hmm. it. Had they cared to show us more about the character development. Tim, I swear, watching this last episode, I felt (laughs) like as soon as I saw the running time was 38 minutes or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. I knew we were in trouble right away. I knew we were in some serious trouble. It's like it felt like about half of an episode – was on the cutting room floor. It did. It was so disappointing. And you said it. I mean, the the pieces were all there to make a great show. We had this insanely good cast, arguably the best cast in any MCU property. And MCU is known for having great cast. Uh, and then the subject matter. I mean, the, the secret invasion, you've got cool. snatchers, you've got, yeah, you know, intrigue with uh, spies and double lives, double agents, all sorts of, you know, secrets that you can play with. But they barely got anything out of it. It just felt so one-dimensional, uh, let alone, was, you know, two, three-dimensional. Like, Man, it was it really was lazy. It was like it, was. it felt like they were playing it so safe in so many mm-hmm. places, even with, with things that they did in, at the end of – because spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the whole series and this episode in particular. Like at the end of this episode, you know, we know Rhodey's a scroll already mm-hmm. through the last few episodes. Then at the end – they pull that crap where they don't tell us how long he's been a scroll. 
which I absolutely hate because now for the next six months, year, two years, three years, five years, however long, all of us are going to be doing these mental gymnastics until they actually tell us. Now we're all thinking, no, you can't tell me that all these moments we spent with Rhodes with after, you know, uh, Endgame and, and, you know, the Tony Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Stark's funeral, even – even stuff in like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and yeah. you know, like at the beginning of this episode when he's talking with Fury, I don't, I don't want to believe that he's a scroll for all that. And I, no, I don't, I don't like that at all. The way they did it at the end when Gaia says, "You've been in here for a long time," and uh, Agent mm-hmm. Ross says, "How long have you been in here, uh, Rhodes?" Yeah. And, and they don't answer. And they no. don't answer it because you know why? The cat's out of the bag. They don't even know. No, uh, and the now they're going to change it now this. because they're yeah, going to yeah, hear how pissed off backlash. people are. Yes, and they're yeah. going to try to retcon this as soon as they can. I guarantee it. The the creators are not on the same page. The director has stated in an interview that he believes it was uh, civil war. So it's it's been since civil war, which you know you can tell from the um, the gown and the fact that he can't move his legs. That makes yeah. perfect sense. So that was when he fell out of the sky and he would have been mm-hmm. paralyzed. That was when they made the switch. So we are supposed to believe everything from then on, he's a scroll, which here's the biggest part, Tim, why I don't get any of this. So let's, okay, let's say that's true, right? He's a scroll Mm -hmm. for all this time. How come in the Mm -hmm. last three or four days, he just decides to start acting like an absolute ass? Exactly. Like, why does his character change to where he's cussing at the admiral the female admiral, he's dropping bombs, he's drunk, he's showing up telling the president about, uh, uh, like, Stalin and Lenin and, and you know, their yeah. method. It just is, it was so bad. There were so many yeah. in this show character changes or character yeah. 180s, and we didn't find any reason why. Gaia, why don't we right. see more of her? So, like... I'm getting a little fired up about it, TK, because it, it, it bothered me. <laughs> I know, man. Out, like it, it bothered me because, like, again, Gaia, why don't we we see more of her journey? We literally go from seeing this girl on the bad side, then all of a sudden she just flips over to the good side, and Fury is going to trust her with everything, the entire world, the DNA of all of the Avengers. And why does he exactly. trust that she's going to beat Gravik one on one? And I just there's so much. I yeah. hate about I, I hated about that. Like the, the logic is so thin. The logic is so thin. They do things that undermine, you know, previous continuity, important moments for the characters. Fury would not uh, have done they, that. He trusted and he respects the Avengers so much. He would not have given somebody else's Carol Danvers DNA <laughs> just like that, scary. unless there was literally like unless he's about to die. Like literally yeah. falling. There's no way he's just gonna do that. And I know some of these things were from the guys on New Rockstars. Others were from Screen Crush. Others were from mm-hmm. The Ringer. Everybody's got different gripes. How yeah. that you're telling me all of the DNA is just in one vial? Yeah. It's all mixed I, up. I, I, yeah. That's all one the of the lo- lesser ones for me. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I, one, one, um, one theory there was that maybe they, they take all that DNA and then create a new DNA that's an amalgam sure. of all that. Of all, and so of that's all that. just like – one, you know, DNA in there, but it's all been combined into that it, one. So I, 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 I'm fine with that, but there's yeah, so many things. And that's a lesser. Even, even yeah. like lazier things like, okay, they show us 
when when Gravik gets the DNA and he starts to give himself and who we think is Fury the superpowers, mm-hmm. we see all the different DNA that's in his in the vial. It's Ghost, yeah. Captain America, Thanos, out, Thanos, Outrider, Captain Marvel. But like, that was even lazy because yeah. they're not using the people's names. They're like using yeah. their monikers. Which is weird yeah. because then the first thing is like, okay, Captain America, which Captain America? Yeah. Right now it's Sam. You, it, that should have said Steve Rogers. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel should have said Carol Danvers. You know, um, just little things like that. I. It just seemed like like what you said. There's someone mm-hmm. in this department doing this. There's another person in this department doing this, and they're not mm-hmm. connecting and talking with each other no. as much. As like when Kevin Feige's doing everything and he's the yeah. one, it, you you could sense it and feel it more in this episode than ever before. I, I think in, in any <laughs> movie or show I'd ever seen, I, I kept going, did I, I must have like stopped and rewound this episode a lot yeah. because I kept thinking there were scenes I just, like I lazily, like we were seeing what we were doing right. when we watched the show where you'd watch it and then all of a sudden you'd look, you'd look away and they're like three or four minutes were passed. <laughs> And I, I would yeah. do, I was doing that, but I was trying not to. So I, I was like, <laughs> I'm not missing things. What is going on? Like, why yeah. are these characters making crazy different choices than they would have just a little bit ago? I, I don't get it. Motivations are just not clear. They're not, uh, they're not founded in any kind of logic. The logic is so bad in the, in this series as a, as a whole, and the the just the narrative buildup. They undermine everything about it. Even all this good stuff that happens in this episode with Kingsley Benadir, his great performance. It's all and and, and with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, the back and forth there. There's this great, um, you know, this great almost resolution, this climax of their relationship, and it's undermined by the reality of it. Which spoiler alert, it wasn't even you know not him. Fury the whole time. I know it's Gaia. So there's, and then there's all these inconsistencies and, and questions about now like, you wonder how, is what like, information did they know? How could yeah, they know that info? Because you now you start thinking like Gaia didn't know any of that stuff. Like that's all bull, right. all bullshit. Like so everything Gaia said to Gravik, she doesn't know. Or if she yeah. did, why didn't we see her have that conversation with Fury, where Fury right. told her the same things that then she just repeats to Gravik. And then at least we yeah. feel like those are exactly Fury's words. There's so mm-hmm. many of those exact scenes we didn't see. Yeah. Oh, okay, the next one. What the hell mm-hmm. is going on with the president? This yeah. is How, unbelievable. Completely unmotivated. Again, it, it just there's no there's no uh, earlier moments that he has that would show that he's going to go that way. Like to, racist. Like, to justify you don't see it. that it's just at like all. Twist. He seems like a pretty yeah. normal guy over the first few episodes like whenever we see him you know roadie is giving him advice all the time and and Mm -hmm. even this like like almost every time we've seen the president in this series it's not Mm -hmm. even close to any time i've ever seen a rendering of the president on any show or any movie anywhere else there's always a billion more people of staff around a bunch more secret service agents people all over he's got advisors all over like how has Rhodey <laughs> climbed to the top of being the right hand man and there's nobody else around Rhodey is literally giving him advice Rhodey is writing his speeches and Rhodey is telling the admiral general to f off like i 
it's just unrealistic. not believable. We, there's nothing yeah. about the United States government in my entire life that I've seen that yeah. would make me think this was like that. <laughs> yeah. And this is supposed to be the serious show. This is the spy show. This is the grounded, you know, we're going back. Well, it's I, not She-Hulk, going right? Into this, well, yeah, it wasn't supposed to be She-Hulk. It was supposed to be kind of like a follow-up to, you know, Captain America Civil War with some, you know, uh, Captain Marvel mixed in there. Like, that's what I was kind of expecting going into this. Uh, and we got something very schlocky, very cheap, very surface level and shallow. Uh, and it just, all the pieces were there for for that a list, you know, quality experience, and we just never got it. The opening scene, and then the end of the show is what the show should have been. We're so in the right. yeah. opening scene of the show where we have that like detective voicing over their schools mm-hmm. everywhere. They're they've infiltrated the government. They're here. They're there. They're there. Yes. Like that was a cool scene that we don't really know what's going on, and then mm-hmm. like the first episode. Should have been at the end of the first episode, it should have been the president having that speech where he said, all aliens are now enemies of the state. Like that should have been it. And then the next four or five episodes should have been, oh my God, people are just getting killed. Like innocent people all over the place. Who's this? Like that, seeing the guys, like the proud boys walk onto the stage and shoot the host. I thought that was sort of a cool, like that would have worked. Like you can sort of feel that even in today, like there would have been Mm -hmm. a really good way to feel that in society or like just with what's going on in the world. And I thought that that would have been something perfect to play on. And instead it was like, we got nowhere, literally we got nowhere. The entire series that we had was to sort of introduce the scrolls and get us to a point of like, okay, cool. Now we're going to have Gaia and Sonia who I love the character Mm -hmm. of Sonia, but like, Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Gaia is now the most powerful being in the entire world. I'm just supposed to be okay mm-hmm. with that, right? She's just the most powerful. Yeah. Ghost, Captain America, Thanos, Outrider, Captain Marvel, Mantis, uh, Abomination, Hulk, Cole Obsidian, Ebony Maw, Frost Beast, Thor, Gamora, uh, Winter Soldier, Black Panther, yeah. Drax. She's got all of their powers in there. That we know of. Plus, she can shapeshift yeah. and look like any of them. So that's and so overpowered. like knows how to use all the powers already. <laughs> right. Another right? She's like apparently already done like training, mm. you know, to know exactly how to use them. Like why does she know better than Gravik? Why am I supposed to right. believe that she gets all these powers and now right. she's more powerful than Gravik who would have just been able to kick the crap out of her before? Like why is he not more powered than her? Like all of this stuff I don't get. I don't get it all. Yeah. And they could have done things like they could have done a scene that maybe showed uh, Fury and her talking about they could have done a flashback at that form to show the plan of how they what like what key information. He knows these people. Right. He knows these Uh, Avengers. He knows their power. He could help her. Oh, here's what you do. Here's how you the ghost. Here's how the Carol Danvers power. Like just one or two of the training. We yeah. always see a training sequence in almost all of our <laughs> Avengers stuff. Where was our training sequence with Gaia? Like seeing her do it. I, yeah. You know, what? again, I got, I didn't even hate Winter and the Soldier as much as a lot of people did. I thought a lot of people were kind of oh, down right. on that. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I don't think I've been really down on almost any of the series <laughs> like this because it was like, yeah. oh, different versions of liking or not liking, or yeah, that was corny at the end. What, you know, yeah. Captain America, the speech he gives and sure. But mm-hmm. this just felt like unfinished. So much it of did. it was like, 
is this for real draft is this for real like i can't it's so disappointing i'm i you know the rotten tomatoes uh so rotten tomatoes the 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 bottom five rated rotten to uh, uh, on rotten tomatoes for mcu shows are are four four out of five of them are secret invasion episodes the number one was this final episode and that there you go i mean that's a perfect and and i'm i'm not this is not a prisoner of the moment thing mm. this is not because in, in in actuality that usually goes the opposite way mm-hmm. like things usually get get higher praise Right now, right. when you've just seen them, and then in six months or a year, it's it dies down a little bit. Your your A yeah. plus goes down to like an, a B plus, you know, of of how you like mm-hmm. things. Man, yeah. Sometimes it goes is... the other way. The, the only example I'm thinking of right now is like I would put my money on the Flash movie. Uh, everyone's kind of down on that. I really enjoyed it. I I feel like that movie's turning around. It's gonna... and the story will change about that, and people will start to come around to liking that movie and understand its flaws, but really appreciate all the good things about it. Just to play devil's advocate there on your point. Yeah, there's man, just a few things in particular with this show that are just standouts mm. and. Um, from a positive standpoint, Sonia, mm-hmm. Gravik, the performances playing those characters oh, were fantastic. Tremendous. I thought they yeah. were fantastic. And the Fury scenes, like, mm. this show was, fear, like, the, the moments when we got Fury, Vara, Priscilla scenes, I thought was really good. I thought the, some of the Fury, Talo stuff was very good. I thought a lot of the Fury backstory stuff where we would hear him telling stories and we got to see him becoming fury i thought that stuff was was honest and it rung true it did it the whole series though it felt like they're just expecting us to know these things that they didn't tell us like why why mm-hmm. why do we know this or why do we care about this like mm-hmm. at the end of the series you start to care a little bit about him and priscilla vara because now you've seen mm-hmm. a few you, you've seen them together a little bit like you you actually feel it yes. a little bit um but not that much we just no. met her. We like just it, I was gonna say, like Vara. a little bit. So why do I? I don't. The end. I know. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not that meaningful. Even when us. they break up, you're like, I, I kind of you. feel bad for her. Well, because yeah. again, we don't even know if how how Fury feels about her. Yeah. We haven't even really heard him talk about her very much throughout the rest of the MCU. We we <laughs> don't know that he's even in love with her, and mm-hmm. you know he even makes some references at, at different times about. You, you, like things that just don't seem like he's in love with her, and you you sort of feel bad yeah. for her, but you don't. It doesn't make you cry, or it doesn't make you. It doesn't hit you like it should. Um, yeah, well, we have no reason to believe that he loved her, except for the a couple of scenes where like he says as much. We're told as much as the audience. Not but, shown. I mean, his actions don't show that really. His actions, uh, besides like a couple of flashbacks and you know a couple of scenes in this series, you know, uh, his actions were that he left her. For most of that time, like like after the blip, like that's not something that somebody who was in love would do. And they never addressed that or it really explained why or how he could do that to his his wife. Uh, that's just not something somebody would do who loved somebody. It, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they didn't give us a reason to believe that he would do that and still loves her. So the fact that they all just bring it together for that happy ending at the end, it just felt unearned. And. We're going to get into the uh, the scene by scene right now. This is the last thing I want to mention before we do. 
Maria's death. Like, what? Oh. What the hell was this for? Like, nothing. We didn't get her. We both were predicting that we'd get her to come back. That it was yeah. it was real. That was a prediction I saw a lot of people have. Yeah. What was the point of Maria's death here? It's and it's yeah. it's crazy because she's not even like she's a solid character, but she's never <laughs> been like an A list Avenger, or she's not like right. been a huge part of a lot of these movies to where you didn't need her to die. There was really no. no reason for her to die at all. It didn't carry weight. The scene mm-hmm. with her mom was awful. It did awful. nothing. Absolutely nothing here. Yeah, this was her chance. Uh, this was the opportunity to give that character some real time to shine. Uh, more than just some surface level characterization. Let's see who she is. You know, uh, let's have met her mother before you know she's dead. That would be that would be an interesting moment to to see what her home life is like. So we care about her as a person and not just this, you know, one dimensional. Give me the shot of agent. her mom telling her not to do this. Right? right? Yeah. Like, uh, no, Maria, you can't do this. It's too dangerous. I know I, I don't care about that, Nick Fury. I don't like, you know, yeah. something like that. When are you right? going to retire? Something like that. You, you've done so much. We've been through so much. When are you just going to re- retire, start a family? You know, we don't know anything about, like, what Maria cares about as just a person. Like, what kind of songs does she like? What kind of, like, what does she do for uh, her hobbies or personality? Is she in love with anyone? They gave her zilch. And then so why would we care when she dies? Just because we've seen her face for a while and she's Kobe Smolders from How I Met Your Mother. Like, who cares? Like that they they it's like they thought that, oh, you know what? We haven't been delivering on stakes, so we need a death to stick. Who can we pick that's going to be completely meaningless, but we can just point to and go, look, people can die on this show. This is an adult show. And it'll feel feel like like it's a heavy manipulative. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It'll feel like it's a Game of Thrones y way of like killing off a main character, even though well, she's not sort of like not really a main character. And this, right. like you said, this was gonna be the chance for her and Fury to for us to find yeah. out about them and their story it's and true. why they do yeah. what they do. And we didn't at all. Missed opportunity. The whole series is a missed opportunity, and that's why I think it feels like such a bad show comparatively. And you know what? I think what may have bothered me the most about all of it is that yeah. as I'm feeling frustrated and I have this bad taste in my mouth, we don't mm-hmm. get a post-credit scene. Oh, we don't get a post-credit scene to like, ridiculous. what's next? Okay, cool. I'm going to get excited for the series. No! Yeah. It was like, what? We didn't even get that? I cannot believe that. Let's get a into A series like this. You, yeah. you would have to give us two post credits. Exactly. This is the first series I think that didn't do it in the finale. I completely uh, is. I could be it wrong is. about and, that. And when I read, I was reading. I was reading why, and somebody said, "We thought we finished, and we thought we told a good enough story with the yeah. Fury thing that we didn't need one." I was like, "That it, that had to have been a joke." That somebody yeah. said that quote. Like there cannot be a person that said they thought they did this series. So much better than every other one to where they didn't need to tease us for what's coming more. I'm sorry. I call bullshit on that. Yeah. And our cuss meter might be over at, <laughs> over at, at the top of on this going on. this going to be on this episode mm-hmm. because the frustration is just tough because again, it's like when you're a parent, I don't mm-hmm. get mad at my child for things that he can't do. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get mad at right. him for things that are like above him that he doesn't <laughs> understand and that he can't comprehend, but things that I've seen him do before right. and I know he can do, that's what Days I get one through three. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. I know Milo, you've done that. You know how to do this. You know that that's bad. That's when I get mad. Like we've seen 
we've seen how the these episodes could be really good. We saw like that first scene, that last scene, the mm-hmm. chaos, all of that. That's yeah. what this show could have been and should have been. And we got this play it safe show instead. Yeah. And uh, episode six opens with the previously on from episode five. And then we begin with Priscilla in the Fury home. She answers her phone. Mm-hmm. Debris all over. Remember, she was attacked. Her and Gaia were attacked in the last episode. So she's cleaning up the home. And Fury calls her. He said, I've dialed this number a million times, but this is the first time I pressed send. Priscilla says, oh, well, that's cold consolation. You sound far away, are you? Fury responds that he's far enough away to where it makes sense to keep going the way he's going. She asks if he's coming back. He says, I'll let you... Um, I'll let you go now She says you don't have to If you don't want to darling So this seemed like it was sort of like an in case of emergency line TK is that what you were mm-hmm. getting from this Like a, a number mm-hmm. he would call If he was getting ready or if he might be Dying or he was going to have to Go off world or mm-hmm. he was going to have to kill himself Or something because it, it's there was some Wording in her voice that seemed Like she was trying to almost talk him back From the ledge yeah, I, you know what? I didn't think of it that way. I assumed it was just like their home line, and he just never calls that or something. I, because I, they I didn't know. And, I wasn't and they sure wanted what to keep, keep careful. But the, the lines mm-hmm. that I looked at that were, were mm-hmm. he said, you know, I've dialed this number a million times the first time I press send. And she said, you know, that cold constellation, you sound far away. Are you? He talks about to keep going the way I'm going. Like he's yeah. gone, you know, like he's on this road already. Yeah. And she says, you know, are you know if you'll be coming back? And remember, you don't have to if you don't want to. Like she knows mm-hmm. he's gonna do something. Like this is yeah. calling this number means okay, I'm gonna have to I might be dead. You know, yeah. there's something and that's coming definitely up. what it is. Yeah, he is so, doing that for sure and saying so, his goodbyes essentially. So Priscilla and Fury say their goodbyes, but but again, like, um, there were two times in this episode where I was like, so that was supposed to have been it? Like, <laughs> I, I'm supposed to believe that that was going to be the last time they talked. Mm. There wasn't, like, any emotional, like, I'm sorry, I love you, this could have been more, I I should, you know, like, none of that yeah. here. They do it a little bit more after, but, like, I'm uh-huh. supposed to believe that this was going to be the last time they talked. Shouldn't there have been like if you were talking to Jackie for the last time that you thought right and you're like this is all you would have said like take care yeah. of yourself. It's you know? weird. I mean, it, it just it like it's not a representation of how two characters would behave with each other. Two characters that love each other in this scenario. It just something feels off about it. Yeah, I can't really put my finger on on no. what but you would you would expect more but then again they're coming off of this this very strange encounter where they just shot at each other and then basically already said goodbye in a weird way so so this is kind of this weird redundant kind of a scene here i know they do it like four recap. times and they have it like yeah. three or four times where it's slightly yeah. different each time it's yeah it's like they're it, working again, their way up to that final scene but uh yeah. they they sp- they spaced it out in like a few different scenes but there's really yeah. there's not a whole lot that happens in between those scenes that would show them or that would give them growth or to, development you know, to change. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So we cut over to New Scrollos and a car is approaching the gate. We see some of those guards, the scroll guards, they start to shoot at this car, but there's nobody inside. Fury had set up a trap and we see him come around the back and he shoots at them. 
and he goes in. But just keep in mind now, we know (laughs) that this isn't Fury, right? As we're watching this all along, we think that this is Fury, but there are two Furies. Mm -hmm. This, This Fury is Gaia. And the reason why Gaia goes in here because she knows the compound. She knows how to get in. She was around. So I understand that, you know, but she's got to right away. She's got to kill her own people right off the bat. Right. She's got to kill a couple guards and step over them. Yep. And we get the secret invasion intro. So then we're going to get yeah. kind of cut back. We're going to get lots of cuts through the episode. Yeah. Right. We have like a couple different settings that we're going to be cutting back from. We'll have new scrollos with Gravik and Furies over there. We'll have the hospital with Ritson and with Rhodes. Um, you know, we'll be going back and forth between them a little bit. Mm-hmm. First, we're in the hospital with Rhodes, with the president, and with some of his advisors. We have a, the female admiral who's in there, and she says, yeah. we need more time to confirm that this was, in fact, a Russian act. And she points out that President Vladimov has strenuously denied responsibility, which I'm just thinking from a logical thing. A lot of those dictators or the president – like. If it were someone like Putin, something like that, like a lot of those guys wouldn't hide it if they did a strike, right? Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't mm. deny it. Like she's saying that the president has denied responsibility. Like if Russia or someone was going to strike us, I don't think mm-hmm. they would deny it. Like if they, I think that would be the type of place to be like, we're coming after you. So even that seems, right. you know, like the president's like, yeah, you're probably right. Like this is an aggressive country. They're not our friends. Why are they denying this? They probably would have just said they did it. And then Rhodey steps in with the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. He says, oh, he strenuously denied yeah. it. I guess we're all right then. President Vladimir is a bald-faced liar. I've got 30 Russians dead on a motorway to prove it. Did you take a stupid pill with your breakfast <laughs> this morning, Admiral? What happened on that motorway was an all-out assault on our republic orchestrated by the scrolls and the Russians who are giving them safe haven. Our commander-in-chief is still nursing internal injuries from an assassination attempt that he barely survived. So unless you have actual evidence to back up this ridiculous false flag proposition, I suggest you move on to what you were uh, summoned to do. Present the president his options for a military response. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. You are not talking that way in front of the president around the president's advisors, I guess, unless you are like Donald Trump talking to your <laughs> advisors that way. I mean, you just, everything we've seen and, and heard and read, those are meetings that are more respectful than that. Like if anyone's yeah. throwing jarbs around, it would be the president jar at other people like, no, yes, no. His right-hand man isn't telling the, the admiral what's up like this. It's just, I, yeah. I had a real problem with this scene. I really did. It, it was just bullshit all over. It just yeah. made so little sense. Uh, for one thing, why would Rody, scroll Rody, Scrody, be talking this way now when he hasn't been talking that way before. all the time? You kind of made that point before. Yeah. Like during this this series, he's kind of been a little bit more outspoken, brash, cruel, just not the way, not the Rody that we know. That goes against everything that we saw from Civil War 
you know, up until this series. So what's the what what does that mean? And why why would this scroll choose now to start, you know, letting it all slip? Like what's going on on the scroll side that they're they're behaving this way when up until now they've been completely buttoned up and been able to maintain the illusion that they're scrody and act accordingly. Now it's not even sudden, like this is graphic. Like th- he's not the yeah. leader. Rava, this scroll Rava, who's the 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 roadie scroll. He's not the mm-hmm. leader. He's not the guy who's like now a super scroll and has all this power and is power hungry. Mm-hmm. He still is taking commands from Gravit. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. Why is he just a complete? He wasn't like this in Winter and the in, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He wasn't right. like this in Endgame or Age of Ultron or any of the post Civil War stuff. Why is he just a completely different person with completely different characteristics right now? Yeah, and it would have been nice to, like, they could have shown us. Maybe they gave us an episode where we see some flashbacks of Rava going through some of those moments and, like, assimilating into the roadie character. That's all we need. Maybe forming actual bonds with some of the real characters so that, like, when Tony does die, that that's that's actually, it's real. That's real emotion, but it's like this conflicted thing. That's interesting. Now you're in a weird headspace with how we feel about Rava in this situation, too, right? Because, like, at this, because if we see that, we feel... A reason to care about Rava more than just this exactly. person who stole Rhodes's body and is like we feel like Rava actually did have interactions with some of them. I, gosh, it was <laughs> is just is not good, N- not good. As <laughs> Rhodes, an advisor, walks in with an iPad, um, and shows them Russian tanks are taking positions on the Finland and Ukrainian borders. Um, Rhodes basically demands it. There it is. It's the Russians 100%. There's your proof. Make the call, Mr. President. And Ritson, not sure what to do. Now, we cut back to New Skrullos, and Fury's walking around. He's looking at his radiation detector. Remember, where the compound is built, it's built right on a uh, big plant where there's tons of radiation all over. The scrolls don't get impacted by radiation. Normal humans do. If you're around something like this for too long, it will mess with you. So he's reading this this radiation mm-hmm. detector, and as it's going up, you can see he's coughing more. His body mm-hmm. is breaking down. So I did I did think Gaia did a good job here of trying to play this off, right? She's She's got to play off Nick Fury here. She's got to yeah. act like she's this old man who can barely make around, who's coughing, who needs to take these pills. So the character Gaia does a good job playing the character Fury in yeah. in that sense. Um, as a viewer, as a viewer though, uh, at the time before I know that it's not the real Fury, I'm looking at that and I'm um, something about it just is feels weird. false to me. And, he and, and wasn't that just makes doing more sense that. knowing that it's not him. Yeah, uh, but but it, it felt like wait, is that what is that how it works with the radiation sickness? Would he be coughing right right away? I know. Uh, and she, it, fe- it felt a little bit like a performance. And so it actually, in the end, when you find out that it wasn't him, that, that kind of works in that in the favor. But in real time, as I was watching it, it just felt like more of like uh, this feels false. This feels like a like we didn't, uh, a TV and overacting and stuff like that. Have we ever? Did we ever get to see what happens to the humans when they go closer to the radiation like that? Because I think that would have been another great scene. Like it wouldn't yeah. have taken long. Like just right. show us what happens when a normal human is around. And how the radiation mm-hmm. impacts them. So that way when we see Fury go in there through that, we see him doing the same sort of thing. And it, it like, oh, yep, we saw that person walk in and almost die. It yeah, just, and it could have been addressed at the same time that they're kind of explaining how it doesn't affect 
the guys in stasis, all the people in stasis there. That a simple explanation of like these guys won't be affected by the radiation because they're in stasis. I don't know. That uh, it could have been a line drop there, like a scene to show that, show the effects of it happening to certain people, and then maybe somebody in the scrolls asks, "Well, why aren't they affected?" And it's like the stasis protects them. You know, something easy like that. Uh, but we kind of have to fill in those gaps ourselves, and sometimes it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So. Rhodes gets a call from Sonia, and Sonia doesn't really understand. Fear, or do, Sonia doesn't really understand. Um, uh, so Sonia, okay, here we go. This I, I was a little off with, with some of my notes here. Sonia calls Rhodes. Remember, we saw Sonia and Fury talk at the end of episode five, and Fury told mm-hmm. Sonia Rhodes is a scroll. So Sonia now yeah. and Fury are working together here. She calls Mm -hmm. Rhodes and she says, Fury's coming for the president. You got to move him. Rhodes says, you know, we got a bunch of security around. She said, no, Fury wants to go scorched earth. You need to move the president now. But we're confused as viewers because we see Fury at the compound. Mm -hmm. So we're not exactly sure what's going on. We go back to Fury, more and more radiation. He finds Gravik. He's limping all around. He drops his pills. Gravik actually... Gives Fury a sip from a flask And they get ready to have a heart to heart Where you know the big Evil villain speech Where Gravik can tell us why he's doing What he he's doing And we cut back to the president One more time at the hospital With Rhodes moving him out but we, And we see someone taking out the guards Like that, that scene is cool Like those are mm-hmm. the kind of cool scenes yeah. that I think We were expecting in a show like this where It's like you cut and you don't know Presidents guys are getting taken out Boom there's fury like mm-hmm. those are the Kind of things that you feel like a little bit of Angst when you're watching you feel a little bit of Excitement yeah so few of Them so few of them oh, And it should have been all that That should have been wall to wall tension And, and you know, know anxiety and you know There's, there's shows that have done it um, I, I haven't seen it but I've heard great things about The Americans um, you know, there's there's great spy programs that are out there. Of course, we talked about you know Andor, and we had hoped that this would be kind of like an you know Marvel's Andor, and that's a Disney Plus show. They've they've done it, and they've done it recently. So the fact that they missed so hard on this is just such a bummer. So Grevik and Fury have their chat. Grevik says, "I bet you never thought your last twenty minutes on Earth would be spent down here having a drink with me." He points out the tremors, and he points out the radiation. Um, he says without the pills the symptoms are going to accelerate He says you got a little backup plan Your Avengers are on standby What about that invisible cloak and shield um, He goes on Do you recognize this skin This face This was the first, the first human I killed I killed him because you told me to do so You don't even remember the first mission you sent me on I was young I tried my best I wanted to give everything to impress my hero The one who promised us the home This man Fury This man He had a wife. He had children. Yeah, he was a bit misguided, but I killed him because of you. I killed him. I killed so many more, and everyone I killed took a little piece out of my heart. I like this. is good. This is fine, right? This makes sense. You you had a kid. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, kid that you turned into this killer, and now he's harboring this resentment. He thought he was like your guy, and now you weren't there, and and now this kid. Is going to use all the skills that you taught him to go scorch earth on you. I, I like this. This makes a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I like it too. I'll, I'll, I'll pull back a little from that though and just say that I still feel like there's a big gap 
in the logic there. Um, he's basically arguing that, you know, you made me kill and that it took a piece of my heart. And he's arguing from a from a moralistic standpoint as he's, he's killing going, other this, people this, this is bad and then he, yeah but then he's committing to doing way more of that now but while at the same time acknowledging that killing was bad in the first place so it's it's just it's uh, sort of like what we said is crazy in the first in the, yeah. in the prior episodes like even gravik goes from being a more cerebral right. character to just killing his own people yeah, like just so, you know, it's the writing, it's the motivations that are that. Just that, that, show that, that again. The performance is so good. Show show us that this guy has become more aggressive because of the serum, right? Just right. Just give us that. Like, just let us know that instead of making us go there. That's yeah. there were so many things where, like, if you and I talked these things out, we could probably get to the point where they wanted us to get to. Why not just show yeah. us? Like, why not give us one scene or some verbiage or something that just said, this is why this is happening. Yeah. They thought they were being too cute in like a, in a good way. And it was, it backfired 100% mm-hmm. more than I think they could have ever imagined. Like, I don't think they went into this thinking it was going to be this bad. I think they thought they no. were going to be cute and they were going to be like, we were going to be, really interested in all the things that we missed or didn't know. And yeah, it's just the more we talk it out. It's just, it's a, it's a bummer (laughs) as he screams Gravik in Fury's face. Um, I'm the only one brave enough to admit it. Talos was weak. We wandered in the shadows for 30 years. He turned a war people into a bang, a band of beggars. I'm supposed to be like that. You pimped us Fury. You put us out to work. And when you were done with us, you threw us away. So first I'm going to kill you, then I'm going to take a flamethrower to humanity, and just so I'm absolutely clear about this, look at me! You look at me! You know, just, <laughs> the, the Can't Heath Ledger Joker in that. I think one of the new rock stars or somebody pointed that out too, but it was yeah. like, they did not need to. That was the first thing that hit my brain when, when he no. did that. It's, you just hear it too. You can't help yeah. but hear it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He says all the bombs, all the blackouts, all the massacres, the wildfires, the imminent removal of humans for their habitat. This is all you, the species that you spent your entire life defending. They were condemning to the day. They were condemned to the day uh, to die. The day I realized you weren't a man of your word. You should have kept your promise, Fury. And he just says you're right. Fury does. I failed you. I failed you within a few years of searching. Because I found I found out there was no planet for you. I knew the only way for me to keep my end of the bargain was to build you a home here. It's easier to save the lives of eight billion people than it is to change their hearts and minds. So this is again, I would have loved the conversation between Fury and Gaia prepping for this. Like, hey, here's yeah. what you're gonna do. Here's some of the thing. If guy, if if we have to talk about this. Here's what some of the things you need to say to him. Cause it just feels mm-hmm. like knowing this is Gaia, none of this makes yeah. like doesn't hit home at all in, in any it's, way. Like I don't know what they were yeah. going for, if they were trying to have it seem like this emotional thing, or if they were trying to make it seem like Fury was kind of being a dick, right? Mm. Like like he was sort of short with them. Um yeah. he says he says he says things like relief, relief that I had a way out, right? I didn't have to fight anymore. Like He's telling him, I don't have to keep, I don't have to put up with your crap anymore. Um, right. It's easier to save people's lives than it is to change their hearts and minds. So yeah. I just, 
there's so many little parts missing that we needed to know this wasn't Fury. Like, and yeah. we didn't need to yeah. know right now, but at the end, there needed to be the reveal scene of them mm-hmm. like, pull the curtain back and show that Fury and Gaia had planned this whole thing out. And we saw them working together and we saw them plotting this thing. It, it just, yeah. It's so far-fetched. Yeah, it's just so far-fetched. Too far much was fetched. told to us instead of showing it to us. And then some things were just skipped over. I, I like a little ambiguity here I and there. Too. It just felt wrong the way they did it here. They felt like they were being ambiguous about the wrong thing. I don't need to be fed everything. Like, I don't need yeah. – I can – like, some of the best movies and shows are when things end off screen. I mean, I don't know if you've ever – if you've oh, seen yeah. the show, like, Mar- uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, but, like, one of the <laughs> one of the main um, – the season just ended. The show just ended this year. Mm-hmm. It was a fifth season. It was really, really good. But in the fifth season, this isn't like a spoiler or anything. Mm-hmm. What they do is they have these look aheads, mm-hmm. like thirty years to their future, mm-hmm. which is cool and not because part of the the charm of finishing a movie or a show is really not knowing what happens next, right? Like in your right. head, you play the game of like where yeah. where do these characters go. What happens next? But when you know exactly what happens to them 30 years later, it's sort of, you know, it, uh, some yeah. people didn't like it. Some people thought it was like a like a too clean or t- like, and I can understand mm-hmm. that. I could understand that. I didn't really have a problem with it, but it was a little like, wow, we went from the first four episodes of this. You're just living in real time. And now yeah. a lot of this fifth season is we're seeing these women 30 years from now and we're flashing mm-hmm. it back. Like to where they've made it. It was it was just a little bit jarring because it was it was different, right? But my point was that mm-hmm. I don't need to know every single thing. I don't. Right. Like I, I, it's nice in your head wondering what happens to Midge later or what's going to happen. Or you know, in this though, yeah. when they introduced us to a brand new character, Gaia, and they're trying to make us care about Fury, mm-hmm. Maria Hill, Gaia, Talos, all these characters who we. No, but we don't know nearly as much as they think we do or they act like we no. do. They don't give right. us any lived-in moments. They None. only give us like moments where characters are learning some new information. Like that so it's all expo- we only live with the characters during their like exposition scenes or like major plot moments. You know, if somebody dies, we're with them. If some, you know, if there's a battle, we're with them. Or if somebody's just relaying or finding out information, we're with them. We never get to like just find out like little things. Like I liked um, Sonya's uh, little bits of characterization. I could feel like they could have done more, but we heard like what music she listens to on the radio. Like we don't get anything like that for Gaia. We don't know anything about her as a character, as a like she's not a human being, as a person. You know, like, so it's just, it's her, a lot of it just feels weightless. And then this scene, you know, that we're, that we're talking about now with Gaia and, and, um, Gravik, Gravik, it, Gravik it, it's, uh, it completely removes so much of the weight and, and, uh, emotions and meaningfulness of their conversation when you find out that it's between them and not Fury. Uh, it, and so there's just, it just feels empty. It feels wasted. And, uh, that moment up until, you know, the, the, the twist that is actually Gaia all along, you, you're kind of feeling like you're living with a little bit of resolution. They're, they're dealing with the uh, core conflicts of these characters, but then you find out it's not those characters a- a- after all, 
So like it was meaningless. It was empty. And then, you know, to your point earlier, if we had gotten some explanation or a scene, more more so a scene where Gaia and Fury are relaying information to each other, are are share, are are working together, are coming to terms with each other and um and figuring out a reason to be on that same page and then kind of going about their plan. Like it could be some kind of a uh, montage or, you know, I don't know, but to give us a little bit more there, I, I feel like because well, all they did was they gave us some and then they kind of undermined it. And it just fury just, Oh, yep. I'm just going to trust you with everything. It's just you and me. Like we didn't see this at all. This was a girl yeah. who three episodes ago was literally set them up that killed right. Maria. Literally was the reason yeah. why Maria died, and then like we yeah. don't get anything o- about that again. And Seriously. then he trusts her with the harvest, which with you the know, DNA to your point earlier, and you, you it could have been a really interesting thing if they made it so that we as an audience understand that Gravik, the side effects to the harvest and the super scroll serum, is making him go crazy. So then yeah. when we if we live with Fury as he's planning to give that to Gaia. But maybe he doesn't he know that that's a side effect. Or yeah, that's or either all this tension of like, oh no, Gaia's going to turn it. bad, right? Like yeah. maybe even Gaia has something that can keep her from going as crazy as Gravik does. Like maybe Fury right. knows something about it. Where hey, you take this and you take this, and you're not going to lose your cool, right? Or it can be like a temporary type thing. Whereas Gra- mm-hmm. there could have been so many different ways they could have done it that were better and that made more sense than just. I'm going to give this DNA and let Gaia become the most powerful being in the world. And By far. I don't really trust her that much. Or like we don't, we're not right. led to believe that you have very much reason to trust her. It's, I mean, it's let's just, be real. They did it because she's the mother of dragons. Like there's this say, weird like that, meta no, 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 no. they did it. You, are, you are right. here, And, and the thing yeah. is, th- I will say – that impacted my viewing of this as a fan, as a as a mm-hmm. watcher, because I knew she was meant for more because mm-hmm. of the role. Like I kept thinking, mm-hmm. there's no way they're casting Amelia Clark in here to do nothing, <laughs> or like to yeah. do what she's been doing. And so you're kind of expecting more, and you're waiting for more. And it's like they're gonna get us to the point where they get to have her and freaking Jon Snow together. It's really where mm-hmm. they're going, and you know they're going yeah. there. And I will say. As much as it's cringy, when I see the two of them on screen, I'm probably going to pop. You know, I'm probably going to be like, <laughs> but yeah, like you feel it yeah. as it's coming. And now Gaia has to to try to tell Gravik what he wants to hear. Remember, she's still Fury. You know why I came back to Earth? You were the youngest scroll on my team. I felt responsible for you. I should have taught that you never give up the fight because I failed you. I failed your people. Um, now I've decided to give you what you want. So Fury just pulls out the DNA. Here it is. Carol's Danvers DNA mm-hmm. along with the Avengers. It's the harvest. You take it, take your powers, and go to some other planet, wipe out some other species. I don't give a damn. Just leave Earth the hell alone. Leave it now. Call off the strike and save your people. I just, the giving it, I had such a problem mm-hmm. watching Fury just hand something like this over. I was like, no way is he yeah. just doing this. Um, we do know that it's not yeah. really him, but it it's the same thing, though, because this is Fury's plan to just hand this over. And he's so confident that it's not going to get into the wrong hands, that it's not going to get – that Gravik is not going to kill Gaia and then just be the most superpowered being in the world and nobody can stop him. Like, I just – 
How did we not think about that possibility? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a it's like the worst case scenario. It's so playing with fire right there. Just logically, that would be the just not what you would do. It would be there would be no other options. It would be kind of like that Thanos thing where, where, where um you know Doctor Strange just looks at Tony and he's just like one. This is the one way. I looked at millions and millions of ways. I know this seems wrong, but we got to give Thanos uh you know the stones, uh, and then it'll all work out in the end. Like it seems so implausible, but at least in that situation, you had a wizard who could plausibly you know see the future, and then you could you could have faith in that. Here, it's just like we're supposed to believe that Fury is this reckless and desperate that he's going to literally give the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, to to Gravik, who's ready to destroy everyone, just so that we could have an even playing field and give give the same powers to Gaia, who you know we think we can trust marginally more than him, makes less than zero sense. I, it, it, if that <laughs> was the case, like if that was the case, we again just things that we needed to see more of like we <laughs> just i it, it was so simple like the it did not make any sense that we didn't no. get an extra scene of this stuff as to be honest there's no scene that's going to fix that logic no <laughs> no like no the the ba- the the backflips that you'd have to go the mental gymnastics to make that the logically like smart play in that moment is pretty ridiculous um, and it, it honestly, it's like the the level of logic and the kind of dumb logic that this show uses made me feel dumb for watching. No, I know it did. I, it did. Like no, I was it, like an idiot wonder, watching it. You did. You were like, have I been watching all of these other Marvel and MCU <laughs> yeah. shows for the last ten years? Like, what the hell have I been doing? I like, what? Where? Like, what yeah. was the point of all of me watching these things to get me to this? Um, I, I, I go. It, has my taste? gotten better and they've always been this bad am i I just realizing that we didn't they never (laughs) at any point of this at the same time where Mm -hmm. we see the president and we're dealing with things it never feels like nick fury really thinks like the world's gonna end like it just you don't feel that weight on it we don't feel that with him and so you know wait can i take can i make one point there i think the one time we do feel that is when it's Gaia in the in the reactor room, and we I mean he's being choked. You know we really see a just desperate, a, a completely desperate and broken Fury in that moment. And it's not even and him. Thought, yeah, and it's not even him. And it was a great yeah. performance by both actors, like really, really good. They elevated each other, but the material wasn't there. No, the, the logic, the stakes of the scene weren't there. The fact that they that Kingsley Benadire was able to actually move me with his he's his just uh, incredible speech. Absolutely incredible, uh, but the the writing it's the writing man that's where it went just completely off the walls. And this is where they're trying to get the the like angst feeling because they're they're doing the cuts between the hospital with Rhodes and with Ritson. They're cutting back to the new Scrollos, the lab where where Gravik and Fury are having their you know face off. And now outside, we're seeing the U.S. strike team that's arriving like outside mm-hmm. of New Scrollos. So we're cutting back and forth to a few different places. As Sonia at the hospital, she realizes for sure that Rhodes is a scroll because he doesn't do the very simple like FBI thing of checking behind the door when you're a cop. 
right? Like just look, <laughs> yeah. like looking at all of your exits and entrance ways. Like that's like the Dude, first I, thing you you learn. Like you or I, I would have done my that. My two year old son that way. My, my, I know. When we play hide and seek, you know that's I that's know. the way I beat my two year olds. And he, and you know what? He's he's on to me now. He's and learned now to check he knows. Your and now he knows because <laughs> you've done it three times. It's just yeah, like, exactly. Oh my gosh! So she she realizes Rhodes is a scroll, and now Ritson, President Ritson, has a gun. And he's not sure what to do. Um, Sonya has Rhodes at gunpoint. He's a little bit confused. So that's the moment where he's looking around. Who do I trust? Mm-hmm. Cutting back and forth, we see Grevik using the DNA to give himself and Fury the powers mm-hmm. and the radiation almost killing Fury as they get overcome with all of these superpowers. Uh, one flash back to the hospital, and then we see Grevik. Yeah. With his powers after they have been inserted, he sort of has the mm-hmm. look of the Hulk. It's kind of like base look of like the Hulk, right? And his his mm-hmm. face sort of looks like Thanos a little bit, um, yeah. kind of Hulk muscle. But and what we notice for Gravik as he goes through the use of all the powers, he just tries to use all like the big strong powers, right? Right, right all the big manly powers. And I think that was what they were trying to get at was that. Gaia is using the using mm-hmm. the bulk of all of the powers. She's yeah, using, she's, you know, yeah. Mantis and Ghost and some of the other powers, whereas Gravik just wants mm-hmm. to be the big badass guy. Again, yeah, she, it's a cerebral one, approach. Like the one yeah. scene where we see her being Ash, the Pokemon trainer, right? Or like like her learning how to do this, or somebody yeah. teaching her. It's not all about aggressive. Right, like this is something I can remember right. seeing from Shang Chi, where he's getting taught. Mm-hmm. Right, like every episode of or every show or a movie, even the bad ones that people don't like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We got the training mm-hmm. montage where the two guys go back home to Louisiana and they work together and they get on the same page. Like we yeah. get, we always have that. We don't see anything. We have no reason to believe that Gaia is even like trained, has any right. sort of. Like she's a Mary Sue. I know yeah. we have no reason to believe that she's just going to be able to step up and beat Gravik. And if you tell me it's because she's smarter, I can get on board with that. Just show me it. Just but, show me. It. But and I'm on. I am on board with that. Up until how does she finish it? She finishes it with a pure brawn blast through the chest, like a, and then, a power blast. And, and then, so it undermines she, the whole strategy. And then she just walks off. <laughs> Like, right. are we, we're sure that he's dead? He's got healing yeah. powers. Like, we've seen right, them right. heal repeatedly. She just died at the end and healed, and then she just, boom, push, and walks off, and that's it, and we're on to the next thing. I don't know yeah. that he's dead. I'm not sure that he's that's gone. so true. It was so and, and quick. Especially since it happened to her, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't like, it's just, and he, just he did the exact same thing to her, and it didn't, it wasn't like she immediately healed uh, it was a little time he left and then she she healed. So, yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense that she wouldn't, you know, uh, put a bow on this and, yeah. and confirm cut his uh, head off that. or do, seal the deal yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, so now ridiculous. now once they're powered up, Gravik mm-hmm. got his powers. He punches Fury, but we see Fury stop the punch. And that's when Fury turns into yeah. Gaia. And we actually see yeah. that it has been Gaia all along. Yeah. At New Scrollos, Gaia faking the radiation, and now Gaia punches. Uh, she turns her arm, Hulk arm, 
and then she punches yeah. Gravik. He goes through a wall. I want to say so something he, too, real quick, about this Hulk arm stuff. I think it's really dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing, this was done in the movie Free Guy, very similarly, uh, almost the exact same kind of um, course of events where, you know, the Ryan Reynolds character basically has all the Avengers powers and he uses them. He'll just use them like just a Hulk arm and, and uh, Captain America shield, stuff like that. Uh, but it, it looks dumb. It looks really dumb and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in a, uh, from a physics standpoint that you're just going to have just the arm turn into a big muscle thing and then throw that like the power it's, is chained from the legs and from like, so I would, I would have liked to see a more realistic, like her, her whole body turns into the Hulk and smashes. And then she's, you know, the, switches things. It, you that, could do so no much sense. with this, Tim, this, just, this just part, a strong arm is stupid. This part was the part <laughs> that bothered me. I think the most because yeah. This could be so cool. Like, the, just the idea of this. Yeah. Of having all these powers, being able to use them all, sort of transform from one to the next. Or on the opposite, like, like how we see when kids get their powers early on, is it too right. much to handle for some of these right. people? Right, they like, kind of fumble with them. They, yeah. They, they like didn't the have enough of that. They were just immediately great at the using these powers. of this and the, the premise of this is awesome. It's awesome. Right. Like getting to use all of the powers, someone having all these different things to go through, not knowing what to do with them yet, seeing how to grow. Like it, it's cool, but there mm -hmm. needed to be one of two things. If you, you, you don't have to do this, right? Like they're, they're creating mm -hmm. the shows and the, the <laughs> movies. So you, you know, you either pick don't do this or do do this. But if we're going to do it, we have to a, have an incredible CGI budget for it or be mm -hmm. just do something like this in animation. It would yeah. have been way more, way what easier if? to do in a, what if right in an yeah. animated series with all the different powers, because like they showed on new rock stars and on different places, there were times where this was hard. Like if you know, your CGI <laughs> budget isn't easy. Why are you trying mm. to have literally transformers? You're having characters transform from their one body to the next in different size people. It was so, it, it's challenging. This would be a difficult thing to do graphically, no matter what your budget was. And if you yeah. knew that you were not gonna have the type of budget that a big movie did, why even do this? Like why even have this scene here where it's not going to look as good? That's what bothered me. I don't think as a well, fan, mm -hmm. Avengers, movies and show they didn't do that at the beginning things were all really well done there was never a time right. i felt like something was done because it needed to be done oh well but just because this this yeah. movie show's got to release then no it's we're doing the movie well and when it's done it's released and now mm -hmm. that right there was something where it felt like oh this is going to be cool the fans are going to like to see going through yeah, uh, should have been this this transfer of all these powers they're not going to matter how how well it look we put into it or how good it looks mm -hmm. or what the which is bullshit like all of us were like no way this yeah. looks terrible why did you even do this just don't do it then like that's what that's all yeah. i would just don't do it nobody's making you like you don't you're not making this movie as a verbatim word for word from the comics there are things that right. you pick and choose to do all the time that are in the comics that aren't don't Put yourself in a corner where you force yourself into doing something that looks like shit.
Yeah, and there was no reason to. There was a, it was a completely unforced error. Like, this isn't where the show needed to go, first of all. That's one thing that I, I, I think needs to be clear. Like, this is the show Secret Invasion. This is a spy show. This There needs to be, you know, uh, intrigue with, uh, with, with that aspect of things. And that's enough to carry, uh, you know, the, the tension throughout the, the whole series, you know, just like who is the scroll, who isn't like revealing that, you know, you know, intimate character, uh, life or death scenarios. Like we didn't need this big CGI thing that happens at the end of almost every show that She-Hulk just parodied. Uh, and so the fact that they forced the, that they did it and they wrote it this way, it just seems ridiculous. But then the execution they had $200 million to do this. So it's like, it's not like they were doing it on a shoestring budget. Like they could have pulled it off if they had conceived of it a little bit more intelligently. I think maybe scaled down a few of the changes and really wowed us with some of the, the effects and the moments in that fight. It could, it could have worked. I still don't think it was necessary to go that route. It seemed like the lowest common denominator kind of a choice to make and, um, it doesn't really make sense in the long term of it. When you really think about, like, are we even going to see this character again? When's the next time we see Amelia Clark Gaia um, and the Super Scroll? And how does that fit into everything? Is it going to be years before they follow up on something like this? Is she even going to be in the Marvels? I haven't seen her in any advertisements. So it's like, what are we doing here? Kind of thing. Um, very, very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so we continue through that battle. Again, cool idea, bad CGI, and we're just supposed to believe, like, yep, they're more powerful than, like, Captain America. Carol Dan- Carol yeah. Danvers was going toe-to-toe with Thanos. Like, was right. was on that level. Like, probably the most powerful. And they've got 15 times more powers than Carol Danvers now. <laughs> with, all the, yeah. with all the others. Like, that would have been it. They, they, the Carol Danvers powers alone, like, given to Gaia mm-hmm. versus Gravik having, like, the more aggressive powers that would have been great right that would have made a little more sense to me like fury only gives carol danvers one to gaia you know and and so she's got more power there something like that we just and there's the multiplier effect too think about that it's not just that like you've got it's not like the the powers you add them together it's like they multiply i know you know what i mean like the, the she is exponentially more powerful then you know everybody else added every everybody yeah. else uh, she can she can she can impersonate any one of those superpowered characters just having the powers alone and being yeah. able to switch between them but then also being able to pretend to be the actual character and back it up with the power set no one's gonna ask for id when you see the hulk hulk out that's the hulk but yeah. not anymore All right so this is a this is a crazy volatile situation here that they've created uh from their track record recently i just don't feel like they're going to follow up on it and so uh, or or do anything meaningful to it i feel like you know mark my words now they're going to nerf this character pretty quickly and and kind of make this this the power set you know back down to earth they're going to give it some some tempering uh uh sort of qualities that it's not going to be so such an outlaw and and then what's going to end up happening is which is a bummer is like I'm actually really looking forward to the Marvels. I from the the clips mm-hmm. that I've seen, I think it looks really fun, and yeah, I actually I'm like. Getting, I'm getting there. I actually like the care. Like I I think more than most people do. I really mm-hmm. like Kamala Khan, the character. Like I mm-hmm. really enjoy. I I'm like the show wasn't perfect, but I like her. I think she's a really cool character, and yeah. I actually just like how the the actress in real life 
thinks yeah. she knows more about the MCU than Kevin Feige, <laughs> right? Like, I just, I she's love that, right? She's writing the comic now. She's, she's writing the comic she, now. I know. She's a freaking, she knows everything about yeah. everything. So that's awesome. Like, I really like that. She comes off super likable. And we, yeah. like, we we met her and her family and stuff, right? So at, like, when I've seen a, a few of the clips, at least I feel like, okay, Miss Marvel was a show that introduced us to this character, her family, and now she's going to be a bigger piece moving forward. But this yeah. show, this show, <laughs> We're not only yeah. like not only do I'm am I not sure really what it did. Okay, cool. It introduced us to Gaia and like Gravik. Gravik, mm-hmm. we think is dead. And Gaia, if Gaia was played by any person that wasn't Amelia Clark, we would not have cared mm-hmm. about this character at all. She was not treated mm-hmm. or given any sort of cool or fun or emotional character arc. She was like, yeah. oh, here's the daughter of Talos who's against Talos. Oh, I guess she's not. Oh, but wait, she really is against Talos. Oh, but wait, then she found out her mom got killed. Oh, so now she's really on Talos's side. She talks with her dad, but then the day that her dad mm-hmm. tells her the plan, she's like, no way, this isn't going to work. I can't do this. And she leaves. Like, we really don't even have reason to trust her. And now, right. you know, she's the big, the big savior here. They're going to yeah. have to fix this, what this show did in, in the next yeah. movie. Like we're talking about with Rhodes. And with Gaia's powers, they're going to have to retcon that back and act like, oh, no, no, Rhodes was only taken over by a scroll right after he met with Nick Fury in that bar, Mm -hmm. you know, or right before they met in that bar. Like, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, that that was when. It was only recently. And they're going to have to act like, oh, well, well, something happened to Gaia to where now she doesn't have all those powers. And it's, it's, like, other other shit is going to have to, like, part of the Marvels and part of our future things now are going to have to like go backtrack and make us feel yeah. better. And like Star Wars does that a lot of the time or sometimes and it, and mm-hmm. it, and it can be cool when it does, but it can be, mm-hmm. you can feel it forced sometimes as well. And yeah. it's just a bummer because they did set it up at the end of this, where if we would care more about Gaia, like the Gaia Sonia mm-hmm. pairing moving forward would be really cool. It, like, Oh, absolutely. I, Absolutely. And Sonia was the best character on this entire show by far. Like I want yeah. more Sonia in my life, no doubt about it. Just quick <laughs> cuts back and forth. TK here, we've got Gaia mm-hmm. and Gravik battling, flying. Um, mm-hmm. She uses the mantis. It was kind of anime. Yeah, I wanted to say uh, that was one thing that stood out to me. Uh, the, the the visuals, the aesthetic of this fight scene uh, was a little hit or miss to me. It had its moments. Uh, yeah, there were some, some of it parts felt really that were dumb. Cool. Some of it, I did, I did kind of like the anime aesthetic. Uh, I, I, I at least interpreted it as, as much as anime. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it seemed intentional from, from you know, to my eyes. Uh, but yeah, just uh, ultimately kind of fell flat for what should have been a really cool, um, you know, exciting moment, exciting sequence. So we got the standoff at the hospital now. Fury is there and he's mm-hmm. telling the president, look, Rhodes isn't Rhodes. And Rhodes right. is telling the president, F- Sir Fury is full of shit. Um, this is Fury so stupid. Says, can, yeah. can we talk about why why this is so stupid for just like please? All we need. Have you ever taken uh, a blood test before? Like one of those prick tests? Yep, that's it. We're in a hospital. We're in a hospital. You get one of those. You say, okay. You're holding the gun. You pass them to say, say, prick your finger and show me what color the blood is. Yep. That's why. Simple. Why nobody thought of that. Nobody thought of that. We have to you go know, through it, this whole rigmarole. They, they've done this in. This, they've done this exact trope in horror movies 
forever. You know what? When right. they did, they did this in the movie called The Faculty, which is one that I love. Mm. It's like a where what the the big, the big alien um, gets like the aliens are are water based, so mm-hmm. they get drawn they get dried out by drugs that dehydrate you. So mm-hmm. when, once they notice that, like doing some scat and some like some coke <laughs> or I think whatever it was was like some like the his cheap little meth like concoction <laughs> that would dry them out. So then they knew if you did, you would have to take it. If you took it, you'd eat instantly. You'd appear if you were an alien or not. We've even seen Sonya shooting people. She could shoot <laughs> his foot right away and right. see that Rhodes wasn't a scroll. Like what was a scroll? I just all of this. And then, and then even now, like we're looking at the president and we are led to believe that he's a good guy at this time because he doesn't mm-hmm. take Rhodes' side. He actually like sort of listens to Fury at the moment. Why does he go 180 and just become a freaking racist? Remember, remember the reason why the president is alive right now. Talos, mm-hmm. right. he's alive because of Talos. A scroll saved this guy's life. And... Yeah. Now, More unmotivated twists just I know. for the sake of a twist. You know, we want, the, we want the plot to go here, so let's just have the character do it, regardless of what we set up, regardless of the context, the characterization, or any kind of you know logic or you know uh, logical motivation. Well, we just we need it to happen, so that's what the character's going to do. Bullshit. So Gaia blasts that hole through Gravik, and my notes have to. That's it. <laughs> no healing. <laughs> yeah. He's just dead. Like that's it. There's just a hole and. Yeah. Again, like visually, it's okay, cool. There's some stuff that's good. There's some stuff that's bad. But it, we didn't get the mm-hmm. Gravik gets up again and he's walking. And like when you kill a villain, there's usually the like they get up, they <laughs> right. rise from the dead, and then you put them back down once, once more. Right. None of that here. None yeah. of that. And it's and, a tropey show. I mean, they touch on a lot of tropes. I mean, they, they could do that one. That's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, they do. I feel like they skipped over a lot of the, the fun tropes to just do like the the plot moving the plot along tropes back at the hospital fury reveals that Rhodes is a scroll he shoots Rhodes, and the president sees it and he says jesus somebody give me the phone so the president (laughs) makes a call and the call is to set up a presidential address again i'm sorry like cheap the dude (laughs) just is is in his hospital bed he's in a gurney he, yeah. he can't even walk. He can't even get out of this. And he literally just finds out that, like, his right-hand man is an alien. Mm-hmm. And within seconds, he's not briefing with his team. He's not <laughs> looking up more information. They're not trying to find other things. He's not He's not even weighing the fact that an alien saved his life. We don't hear that at all. Right. Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. It's not brought up at all. He just... Goes scorched earth. We all witnessed the terror attack that was carried out on my motorcade earlier this week in England. The terrorists responsible were a shape-shifting alien-born species known as Skrulls. This is why tonight I'm presenting to Congress immediate emergency authorization, a bill that designates all off-world-born species enemy combatants. We know who you are. We know how to find you. And we will kill every last one of you. Uh, again, unmotivated shit illogical. I've ever heard yeah. in my life. Like a, and I have a, a president doesn't six. say that. First of all, like yeah. you right. don't ever say something like that. You t- like mm-hmm. never. And why? 
Why is this guy way different than they just told us he was? Why, yeah. It doesn't make sense. We just saw Tallo save this guy's life. He right. would be he would feel some sort of loyalty, uh, loyalty yeah. to them to not at least this. There would be more conversations of him at least getting mm-hmm. pushed into this, right? Like what Rhodes was doing, we would have more yeah. of those conversations where Ritson was like, no, man, I don't know. Look, that guy saved my life. Why? He could have killed mm-hmm. me. Why? He had every opportunity to kill me. He didn't. I don't think they're bad people. We can't just go all after them. And then you yeah. see his advisor saying, well, no, sir, look, we have this evidence and this we're led to believe that like, that's a scene that just, that, that happens. Why, like, yeah. why didn't we see that? And there's a huge fix uh, that I think would have been incredible and it would have solved two problems, right? We talked earlier about how there's no post-credit sequence here. What if, you know, they showed this twist here and the president does everything just as he does in the, in the, in the series. And he's a scroll. But at the end, he's a scroll. It's revealed that he's a scroll. It That's motivation like right there. He and acted, it, sets up the, it sets up the next story. That, that, that exactly. actually makes sense. That would have been great. And that would have <laughs> said like, now it's a scroll that's the president that's in charge. And mm-hmm. yep, that would have been perfect. And that's what you almost feel like if they're doing that, why didn't they just show us? Because instead of us right. getting happy about it, we're mad. Like you and I are talking about it. Like, uh-huh. why didn't they do that? If they're going to end up doing it, I'm going to be yeah, really frustrated here. that there are like three or four things in this series that like they got, they heard the feedback and they were like, oh shit, we have to change this. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so many things where they didn't make a decision yet. They played it so safe, yep. just like you said, because it's like they didn't want to put themselves into a corner. And now they've at least got a couple different options and a couple different ways they can go with things. And mm-hmm. that's frustrating. They, they, they're content yeah. to just like set up the next thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Give us give us the story now. Give us more of this story. Like you kind of pointed out earlier this montage that that's uh, happening uh, toward the end here, what we're going to discuss in a moment, like that could have been earlier in the series. And that could have been more of like the premise of the series. I feel like they're, they're touching on what the show should be and setting up what the show should be, but never really giving us those moments of, of, you know, living in the show's world and, and, and feeling um, the stakes of it and, and, uh, and worrying about what's going to happen next and hoping about what's going to happen next. Like, it, instead, they just tell us what just happened and what's about to happen, and then occasionally they'll show us some illogical uh, action scene. That's that's how the that's how I experienced it. At least that was very frustrating. A very frustrating watch. Now we cut back to New Scrollos, and the compound has now been taken over by government officials, and we see Sonia she looking at. First, we actually see Gaia releasing all of the the stolen identities, all of the people who are mm-hmm. locked in these fracking pods. So we see her release the members of the Scroll Council whose mm-hmm. identities were stolen. We see her, her release Agent Ross and then Colonel Rhodes. And this is the part where uh, Ross says to Colonel Rhodes, Rhodes, how long have you been in here? And as he, he almost gets out of his the pod, he falls over. He's in his hospital mm-hmm. gown, is Rhodey, and Gaia saves him. Says, whoa, Colonel mm-hmm. Rhodes, I got you. You've been held hostage for a long time. Like eight or nine years if it's uh, Civil War. Yeah, I mean, crazy. 
I hope that long time is like two months because if they're yeah. trying to tell yeah. us that that's eight or nine years, that is like everything we've seen. Anytime I watch that now, I'm going to be thinking it's not what what it was supposed to mm-hmm. be, or it's not what they meant, right. or you don't feel it. When they shot it, they didn't have that in mind. It's a no. complete retcon, and they're shoehorning the story they want to tell now to fit, you know, the old story. And it, and it actually makes the old story, the, or everything that came before, everything that this is built upon, it kind of erases it. It kind of makes it, you know, not real. Like, it, it, it highlights the fact that we're watching, you know, this artificial story. We want to be invested as, like, you know, as if this were real. You know, we want yep. to, like... You know, we're going into it. We want uh, what's that? What's that uh, phrase? Um, ah, I'm suspend our disbelief. So we want to suspend our disbelief and go into this yep. world and believe it's real for a half hour, an hour, however long the the episode or the movie is, uh, and and you know get lost in this world. But we're constantly reminded of the artificiality of it when they're like basically turning the reality of the world on its on its head and saying, you know, no, that doesn't matter. We want this to mean, you know, this other thing now. And we know just from the context of it and we know from the interviews and, and things like that, that that's not what it was. It wasn't meant to be like that. The actor, when they were when Don Cheadle was portraying all those scenes, that was not part of his performance no. or his choices as, as an actor to, to that no. he was an alien. And of course that happens with storytelling all the time. You add elements to characters, but something that fundamental and huge, you can't do that. No, that, you that can't change. That's who he is, his whole character, yeah. because like we're saying, yes. his characteristics don't, they're not consistent at mm-hmm. all. So it, it would be different if like we noticed a change in his character after civil war, but we didn't. Right. His character was the same. And then recently in this show has really flipped. So now all of exactly. a sudden, we're like, if that's a scroll, why was he acting normal? And then now he's, it's just zero consistency to it yeah. whatsoever. But we check back in with Fury and Priscilla. Fury goes home to see the place. It's been all shot up, debris all over. And he puts his keys or he puts his ring on when he walks in. And that was always their, their little game. And he says, I'm sorry. And Priscilla says, for what? Fury says, for not being here. But she says, I can take care of myself. He tells her she shouldn't have to. And then she basically says to him, like, this is a moment that I thought we if we spent more time with this, like when we when we spent time with this premise, I liked it because it is cool. Now you get into the whole alien interspecies. Can you love? And Mm -hmm. there's something on there. It's like there's something they're playing into the fact that. You know, Samuel L. Jackson in Fury, he's a black man who's dealt with mm-hmm. a lot of the same problem. Like he's felt mm-hmm. with he's dealt with struggles and racism and xenophobia, you know, just all these things growing up that mm-hmm. on a different scale. Now his partner is is feeling right. Like, yeah, she's not comfortable in her own skin. She's trying to be somebody else. And she's asking him. Look, or she, and she really tells him, I know who I am when you're not here. When you come back, I start to wonder, did you fall in love with me or the face that puts you at ease? And, you know, he yeah. the way he responds is, I think, why she doesn't go with him initially, because he says, mm-hmm. I love you, Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Remember, Priscilla is right. the facade. She's really Vara. So mm-hmm. when he says, I love you, Priscilla, it's almost like he's saying, no, I love you. I love the face. Exactly. Right, I love that yeah. face, and and I, that really hurts her. Yeah. I, I think right here because 
This is he good. Says, this is good subtext. It yeah, is. I like it this. is. It, and I like the times they spend together. I want more of it because uh-huh. you do like I feel something here, but that doesn't mean I've I've had enough of these to really feel it at the end. Right. Like yeah. I feel it here. I feel it at their dinner scene in the previous episode when they're reading the poem, you know, and they're going back and forth. Like I like that. We needed a few more of those to see them sharing love and their moments together yeah. to make us feel the love. Like it was almost like they had mm-hmm. this idea of a relationship that wasn't lived in, you know? Yes. Um, think think about like, okay, if you're in public and you see, you know, a couple being romantic, maybe you see a moment between them, like a, a proposal or something like that. It's just a brief moment and they seem really happy and in love. It might warm your heart. It might make you smile. Uh, but if those two people were like your best friends or if it's your son or daughter and you've been with them through all these important moments and they're, they're they mean something to you, you might shed a tear. You might break down crying mm-hmm. and be you know moved. It's, it's, it's like that. We just haven't had any moments with these characters to feel like they're human beings to where we're actually invested in what's happening to them. So yes, there's a, there's a surface level of like resolution and kind of like, Oh, that's nice. They're together. But do we really care? Nah, no, nah, they didn't. They like didn't you, do you it. They don't didn't build care a life for when, us. when he when at the end of this when they separate again. I said all of these scenes feel cut like that was going yeah. to be it. Like I felt like when he leaves and he says, "I'm here to ask you for one more last chance." I'm leaving tonight. Mm-hmm. She says, "Well, then I guess this is goodbye." Yeah, and he says, "Okay, if you can find a way to forgive me, you know where to find me." And he just walks off. He drops his ring in in the mm-hmm. bowl and leaves. And I'm like, yeah. "That was it." That that doesn't <laughs> seem like you saying goodbye to the love of your life, right? That it seemed super hollow, and I, yeah, I just I want I want more here in in all these little spots. It's funny. It's like mm-hmm. I'm frustrated because I know with more these could have been better. It's not like yeah, you know, like you said, you see a bad movie sometimes. You're like, ah, that was just bad. Like they didn't have a big budget. They had a bad director. The acting, the actors weren't great. There were, that was not the case with this. That was not the case mm-hmm. with this in any way, shape, or form. But we yeah. meet. Sonia and Gaia. Sonia and Gaia meet up. And shout out to Sonia. She was the best thing in this series. Um, mm-hmm. She said, we meet at last. Oh, I haven't come for a fight, Gaia. With your special abilities, it would be a lopsided affair. She said, I'm a friend of a friend, and your people need a leader. You'll need resources to fight this war that Ritson has launched on your people, and I can get them to you. And I like Gaia. She says, let me guess. You're just doing this out of the kindness of your heart? And Sonia says, oh, God, no. Don't be silly. My, because uh, uh, Gaia is trepidatious. You know, her dad is Talos, and Talos did this mm-hmm. with Fury, and it did not work out. But mm-hmm. Sonia corrects her. Yes, let's not be sure to repeat the mistakes of Talos and Fury. Let's leave love and friendship out of this. I will use you, and you will use me, and together we will make this planet safe for both our people. And just simple. And Gaia's yeah, like, not mad at that. Yeah, cool. Like that. This in this like e- this even could have been like a post credit scene, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, like it's sort one. of weird that they didn't, you're like, because this is sort of what they <laughs> do with a lot of these post credit scene to set up yeah. what's next. Because now we can think that we can uh-huh. see a team led by Sonia where she's calling in Gaia for help, and that yeah. that would make sense because we we just had the it took thir- it took thirty seconds. We had the thirty second scene. 
if we were to see Gaia and Sonya working together somewhere, we would have been like, huh? But now we saw it. It wouldn't now any time right. if it were to happen, it makes sense. That right there is like a microcosm of what they didn't do in this series. Like mm-hmm. that one yeah. scene. Just show me more of those where the two people meet, have a short conversation, have some sort of like plan, and then we can move forward. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> lots of frustration as we go through most of this and we're down to the uh the final scene or two where Fury calls President Ritson mm-hmm. and he basically tells him what the hell was that that half-assed <laughs> hateful speech putting things back together was never going to be easy you took a bad situation and you made it worse that's re- first off completely agree like what the president yeah. said was horrible but what Fury says next Whoever wrote this is just wrong. Like the writer <laughs> that wrote this is wrong. They said that's real one-term president stuff. Mm. Tim, if you've ever read any history of any mm. cultures, of any civilizations, during yeah. wartime, the presidents or right. the leaders or the emperors always get reelected. Always. Right. It's like they create wars. Leaders throughout history have created war and chaos for that right. reason. It's, yeah, to seize and hold on to more power, for sure. It's, yeah, it's so very common. When I read this, I went, are you joking? Like, right, this is right. exa- like it, that one line. It just shouldn't be in there. Like, someone, how is someone not hearing that going, what? What are we talking yeah. about? Like, no, no way. Um, and and, I, think, and as, I think there's a reason why they put that line there, and it's just to basically – Make it so that when Thunderbolt Ross is president, exactly like the next come, so they, they exactly shoehorn Harrison Ford in there again with with a line instead of showing it, they're just going to imply it through some dialogue, and then you know we'll we'll put we'll uh, put the pieces together. That's cheap. That's that's lazy. Uh, I Did, hope that they'll show and follow up on some of the story and actually we'll actually see some of his motivation. Crazy yeah. anarchy, right? Like show him the president losing it. Publicly, yeah. people see him lose it once or twice, right? Something's on, got on film or on camera where he mm-hmm. says he doesn't – anything like that, that's that's fine. That's one president mm-hmm. – one-term president stuff. But but just the whole process of like – of creating a war and it that's – I mean we even now, a lot of people had said like if – and I, I don't like getting really political with all this stuff. But like if Trump's response to COVID was a little bit better, he probably would have won. With, with mm. what was going on with the pandemic. Like, it, you know, we were in a really weird time where that it's a hard time for change when when mm-hmm. there's chaos, when there's, like, war or what the United States was going, the world was going through during the pandemic. You don't have a lot of change there. Man, this, mm-hmm. is, this was, was just another, like, small thing I just did not like. Um, I yeah. did like everything that followed this, though, like, with what we saw. We see all these hit oh, squads. Right, like yeah, all the chaos yeah. because of the president's words. We've got like groups of proud boys that are going and like taking the law mm-hmm. into their own hand and like shooting people. Because yeah. I feel like this would happen. Like this would happen yeah. with something like that. So this, I wanted this to be the show. Like I got yeah. like exclamation points all over this. Like I really wanted this to be the show. Um, I think the yeah, president more, soci- more social political stuff. You know, more of the, the like manipulation of nations, game theory stuff, you know, uh, how are the for the factions rising up and 
uh, where are the flag smashers in this? You know, like, are, are they are they part of the people who are going out and, and you know, terrorizing and going against the squirrels? Um, yeah, like that, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff here. And again, it's like this should that should have been the show. The show should have all been this tone and had that this kind of a pace and this feel to it and this sense of you know brutality and, and harshness and you know anybody can be bad and anybody can die at any time and it just I felt like they they just didn't they didn't hit that they I feel like if like the the, if like the end if this is the end of episode 1 like with Maria mm-hmm. dying yeah. I just I just like feel better about everything like the weight of it feels different and yeah. then we move forward um Fury tells yeah. him, call off your war, and Ritson says, give me a break. There's only one way to end this, and the old Nick mm-hmm. Fury would have known that. And if you truly care about the scrolls, get them off my planet. But now I even ask more about yeah. more than scrolls. Like, what about the Asgardians? <laughs> exactly. Like, were, did the, they, were the writers thinking about that? Because like, just signed a document for them, right? Yeah. Just recently. Didn't we see it, like, on the news recently that he signed a document for them? So now what happens? Yeah. And they're and living now, openly. They know exactly where they are, and they're powerful, right? Like all these Asgardians are pretty strong. Are, are they not? Is it only that yeah. Thor? Thor's super strong because like he's got maybe some celestial blood in him or something. Well, no, like because that. isn't is isn't the there work? like even in even in the DNA we mm-hmm. see some Asgardians DNA in there other than Thor, mm, right? Okay. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, Valkyra is in there, right, right, right. And like so, yeah. why would there they they have? Valkyrie, like yeah, power, yeah. right? Valkyrie was in there. So um yeah, this like all all alien beings now are basically enemies of the state. Yes. Fury arrives at the location to beam up to the, the saber station, but Priscilla arrives and it's real quiet. She says it sounds like peace, doesn't it? Fury says, Yes, that's all I want, Priscilla. She corrects him. She says, Vara, now that humans are Know we're among them. I'd like to use my birth name. And Fury says, "Well, Vara, good news from Saber. The Cree said they're open to peace talks with the Scrolls." She makes a joke. Uh, the Cree making peace. That reminds me of my old joke. Of the old joke. What do the Scrolls call good luck? Bad luck. And he <laughs>, laughs and he says, "Stop it!" But I need your help. You know this. The peace summit. You're the best diplomat the Scrolls have ever had. I'm no good with people. You are. Um, she, he says, well, you know, I'm sick of it. We're better together. At least I am. Please come with me. She agrees. She said, I'll help you get started, but then I got to get back. All my work is here, darling. And it's never been more important. She becomes her scroll self. She said, I just wanted to tell you that I love you as I am. And Fury says, only as you are. They have a moment where they kiss. We see Nate Fury or uh, Nick Fury kissing the scroll. Uh, version here of Vara But we were let yeah. we were kind of wondering About her work that she mentions You know she is a mm-hmm. scroll Yeah what is it We do see the one scene I think I skipped over Where Sonia sees all the fracking pods And Sonia sees mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. scroll compound And that the scrolls mm-hmm. were able to Kidnap basically these humans And gain a lot of human intelligence you wonder right. if Vara is involved in that in some way because remember she is a scroll, so she is still yeah. loyal to the scrolls. Vara and Fury, they're heading back up to Saber. We've got Gaia and Sonya. Look like they're gonna get ready to start a team together, but no post-credit scene. And really, 
a show, TK, that I have to ask you at the end, like, did we need this show? Like, what was the no. purpose really <laughs> of this show? Like, did it like I don't know yeah. right now versus six weeks ago? Mm. Like, I don't know how much farther along we are. Like, what really did this do other than introducing Amelia Clark as a character? Mm-hmm. And I gotta be honest, of every show that we've had, mm-hmm. even now. I feel like I know her the least of all of these other characters that have been introduced to us. Yeah. Like I know Kate Bishop way better. I know Kamala oh, Khan yeah. way better. I know uh-huh. uh, even Moon Knight better, mm-hmm. right? I know like all of these people way better than I know Gaia. And Gaia is the most yeah. powerful being in the MCU now. And she's someone who they're obviously going to be bringing back. It just... It was so yeah. disappointing. It was so disappointing because there were there were like peaks in this series where I think it was after the fourth episode where we got really excited yeah. and we thought yeah. they were heading in a really good direction. It felt like, okay, cool, where we're going and how they finished it in the last two episodes just really disappointing. And and I will yeah. I will point out one thing too, guys. I heard the folks on New Rockstar mm-hmm. say it, and I heard people other places say it, like all of, if you're listening to this and you liked it more than me and TK yeah. did, like, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm happy for you. Like, I'm not trying to act like you're dumb or like, I can't believe no. you would like that. There are, like I said, I like Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot more than other people did. And there are mm-hmm. things that I'm going to like more than Tim and Tim's going to like more than me or not. It just, for what I was expecting, I think that was the problem, right? Like, we, yeah. we talk about the expectations a lot. That's why you and I don't love to watch the trailers as much or read right. as much before. As soon as the movies come out, then I'll dive into everything, all the analysis, all the breakdowns, all that stuff. But before, yeah. I like to try to kind of kind of formulate my own thoughts, my own mm-hmm. opinion, and then see where they're consistent with everybody else. And almost mm-hmm. – and I got to say, like – when I finished the epi- the the finale, mm-hmm. I was I was truly not sure because I was like, "There's no way that people are going <laughs> to be able." To. I just did it. I was curious what the response was going to be because I was like, yeah. "I don't know how people are going to spin this really positively because it just oh, yeah. felt yeah. so unfinished." And yeah, and I will say I am kind of glad that I I don't think I've seen many people trying to defend it. I really haven't. Like. Most yeah. of the recaps and the breakdowns and stuff that I've read, people have just said, like, man, this was really disappointing. It is like as a parent, we say the disappointing. I'm not <laughs> yeah. mad, right? I'm disappointed. I'm not mad because right. like it you know, it it was more that we know you could have done better. And we've yeah. seen spots in this series, and we sure as hell know with the movies, like you can. And so mm-hmm. I do I do think there's two conversations to have because Mm-hmm. This series wasn't good, plain and simple. Right. Like it wasn't good. I I'm not quite as worried overall for the grand mm-hmm. scale of Marvel as I think some people are after this because mm-hmm. it was so negative and it was so bad because I do think mm-hmm. th- like it feels like right now there's this perception out there that everything Marvel has put out recently has been bad or lesser than. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was very good. Wakanda Forever yeah. was very good. Like there have been mm-hmm. like yeah. you know three things this year that have been pretty good. Uh, overall, is the hit miss rate a little more? Yeah, like Doctor yeah. Strange wasn't as good, <laughs> right? Um, Thor: Love and Thunder didn't connect as much. But but I will yeah. say 
it, so overall, maybe like our floor is lower, right? Like the, <laughs> the, the margin for error, yeah. right? Well, like the, 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 the range that the difference mm-hmm. between our floor versus our ceiling is more than it's ever been before. They can still hit the ceiling when they want. Mm-hmm. Like I got, so. I got as close <laughs> to the, I got almost as close to the ceiling with guardians and with Wakanda forever as I have mm-hmm. in, in recent years with, with some of their stuff. But yeah. it gets that floor w- way more than they ever have. Like way. I feel like they're hovering around the floor. To, to be yeah, like, I, yeah, I think I'm a little bit more sour on it than, than you from the sound of it. Um, I wasn't as high on Wakanda, especially in retrospect. And I wasn't uh, as high on even Guardians, which I thought was good, but not great. It didn't really blow me away. And I still felt, it still felt a little rough around the edges. I feel like. Marvel has lost some of that spark, and I don't want want to say that because I know well, both they, of us were that's rooting not for a, Marvel. That's not a that's not a like an opinion. They have <laughs> you do lose it when you just have more. Like you can't. It's inevitable yeah. when there's more because it gets the specialness of what you're doing gets watered down. If you eat yeah. a food that you like every night of the week, it's not the same anymore, right? Like I got this pizza place that I go to that I love, but what's cool yeah. about it is I go every three weeks or a month or something, you know, and it's exciting. The process of going to the place is as much of like a, an experience mm-hmm. for me than it is now. Like there's but so the onus much is still on them though. I feel like that's no, no, putting it, like, it's not, the no, it, it's on not. Us like we're, we no, just, no, 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 you're right. You know? It's I'm not taking, we, we, it's their fault. They're doing the things wrong. Like they're not doing it as well. It, it's their mm-hmm. fault for, kind of planning it out and plotting it out this way to where they thought that we needed mm-hmm. more than good than than better yeah. right where they needed more of a quantity than a quality and mm-hmm. that that's where i'm i and i and it's it's not going to continue right they i think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'll give them a little more leeway because it was brand new with disney plus when it came mm-hmm. out they were trying some things and then on top of that, right when they have this idea for Disney Plus in these new shows, a pandemic hits, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and for a couple of years, things are all off. And then even like right now, there's a writer's strike and there's an actor's right. strike, right? So the last five years, as far as like creating content from 2018 yeah. to now, it's not been easy. It's not been as easy mm-hmm. as it was for them making movies back when they would just make the Avengers, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it's harder now, and there are more expectations now from us. But uh, that's supposed to put like you guys are making so much money, and you like you are. That's the reason why they have a guy like a Kevin Feige or one or two yeah. people that are involved in everything, so they could still all tie together. I, exactly. This was the most disappointed I've been in anything by far, um, and it's hard to not like. It's hard to not feel it moving forward until we get the next thing that makes us feel a little bit better right because yeah that's how i felt coming out of the bad movies and then you get a good post-credit scene at least where you're like okay that makes me feel a little bit better what was it eternals was terrible mm-hmm. that was one of, <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly think that my two least like the three least favorite things that have been done from the mcu and, and mm-hmm. i think that's sort of where we're getting is that like if mm-hmm. we're ranking MCU stuff now, like all of the stuff at the bottom is recently. Yeah, big time. Like I mean, you think of something like Thor, A Dark World, and that's so much higher than so much of what's happened in in, uh, in 
phase four and beyond. Yeah. It's uh, that's that's kind of ridiculous. But none of the properties at that point, like the worst properties you would talk about would be like Iron Man 2, Thor 2. You know, those are the ones that were, well, quote unquote, people didn't misses, like Ultron. Even though, yeah. But they, yeah, yeah. Even though, but even though it's like in retrospect, they work really well by comparison. Like they, that was still prime MCU. And we were comparing it to the best of the best. We we're comparing it to like Iron Man 1. Uh, but they were still keeping up a general quality, even if it had dipped a, a little bit. Now I feel like we've gotten so far removed from those stories and the cohesive story. The magic of them of, of Marvel was that they were telling this cohesive story that all fit together. And it felt like they had a master plan that was um, that was going to pay off. Now we don't even have that sense. Like so when they're planting these seeds, they're like, ah, how's that going to pay off? Or that feels like a stretch or they're, they're really scraping the bottom of the it's, barrel here on this character or that. Well, it's harder uh, to. It doesn't tie together either. Yeah, it's harder in our head to see where they come together. Right. Yeah. Like in, in the other movies, you could see Thor showed up in this movie and this guy shows up here and this girl is here and they all sort of it, it makes sense. Now yeah. we're getting all these separate story. It, 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 they're kind of telling the stories backwards. Right. Like yeah. before they kind of they were sort of like they came to the Avengers were kind of coming together. And then we got everybody's individual stories afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. And now it's sort of like we're telling these individual stories and then then coming together. But it's it's not working the same way. Yeah, it's not like, like they're the, not even telling stories anymore. It's it's almost like they're just putting they've got this big, you know, chessboard and they just keep adding yes. pieces to the it's, board it's, instead it's, of moving it's less the pieces and that are less on the board. personal. It's becoming yeah. like like you're the coach of a team and you just got to fill the spot. Like, here's your position. Yeah. Your position is the Captain America type guy. Right. Like mm-hmm. you're like, like you said, you're, you've got the board right here and you're putting it out. Okay. Yeah. You're the right forward. Oh, now Steve Rogers is gone. Who's going to play right forward now? Um, okay. We're going to throw that guy. Like that's sort of where we are right now. And yeah. they, they can do better. They have done mm-hmm. better even recently. And I know that they, I know that they li- they're listening and mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident in that. Like, I don't think they just have given up. I don't think this is the situation where they're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to half-ass everything from now right. on. I, I don't know why, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay. If we find out afterwards that there was more reasons for this show being bad, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be surprised. Like, if we no. find out there was more behind the scenes that we didn't hear about as far as yeah. disconnection between the, the crew mm-hmm. and the directors and, and the producers and the sh- – yeah. and, and, even they've even mentioned scenes that were cut. They said there's a lot of right. scenes on the editing floor that we don't know if they're going to be used in in uh, in future places. Like maybe that mm. was something where Feige was like, "Hey, we got to cut that scene because we're going to put it in the next one." And yeah. maybe we'll after this show in, a, in another movie or two, some of the things that happen in this show will make more sense. That's not okay mm-hmm. though. That doesn't that doesn't right. excuse the six weeks that we watched yeah. and should have been more entertained. That doesn't make yeah. it okay. Like if it fits afterwards, that doesn't, that still doesn't mean we, we got the best form of entertainment that we, we should mm-hmm. have got for this show. And yeah. Yeah. It's just tell the story. Now we, we had six hours to work with there for, you know, a, a little under six hours, movies, whatever. Like two full. Let's go. Like strong yeah. movies of length. That's six Stop hours, man. Like, you could have done Stop a lot things. more in here, and they didn't. And it's it's a bummer, and it's a bummer because, um, you know, we are here talking about these shows because we mm-hmm. like 
the MCU. We love Star Wars. We love these shows. We want them to be good. When they're good, more people watch them, and then more people listen to us talk about them, and it makes me mm-hmm. more money. You know, so it's good <laughs> for everyone. I don't want these shows to be bad. Um, yeah. I don't want to want to not care about watching it. I was intrigued mm-hmm. in the in the finale. Like, I was. I want to see what me happens too. in these last two, and now and it Ugh. just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth uh, afterwards. But I will say I am I am mm-hmm. excited for you and me personally just because our okay. journey now after we have a little bad taste in our mouth, we're going to take a step back from the MCU for a little while. We mm-hmm. don't yeah. have anything coming up right now until November with the Marvels. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and like I said, I even feel like I've got a good energy about that cuz it it's in in the stuff I've seen, it's got like mm-hmm. a fun vibe to it. Yeah. Sort of like a yeah. like a parent trap body switching thing going on, mm-hmm. right? So like it's it's the energy feels kind of fun. So that that yeah. I'm excited for. But TK, the next time you and I talk <laughs> in a month is going to be about Ahsoka for Star yeah. Wars. So we'll get to head really looking forward to that to the Star Wars world again, which is kind of fun to bounce back and forth between the two of these and see yeah. you know strengths and weaknesses. Um, Star Wars most recently had Andor, which was fantastic. Prior to that, yeah. they had Obi Wan Kenobi, which had some mm-hmm. real, real highs, but some lows. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was a series that I think had mm-hmm. maybe some of the same problems of things that we were talking about with this, where it's like you may have to retcon things, or like mm-hmm. you're, you know, the things that they're doing in this series might have changed the past in Star Wars. Um, yeah. So it'll be fun to bounce back and forth. From these worlds because mm-hmm. we need a little bit of a break from the the MCU now after after yeah. how, how disappointing they ended with us here we we had some yeah. strong movies through the year um like you said I liked maybe a little bit more than you but we were super mm-hmm. positive on Wakanda Forever overall you know yeah. and like super positive on Guardians three overall you know like very little knocks on them now yeah. can they keep it going can they keep the positive do they will things be watered down more and more and more we've seen them do great with the shows wandavision yeah. was great loki was yeah. great i'm a little nervous about loki <laughs> now at the end of this yeah. year because of everything that's been happening with with jonathan majors as well yeah are um, they retooling it are they are they cutting things out are they are they, are they dropping the whole avengers kang dynasty down the yeah, road so like, then they have to change things with this show so that they don't know lead to that original plan and are there going to be holes course correcting because if yeah. there if there was plans for him to be a bigger piece and now you're not are there going to be plot yeah. holes are there going to be things yeah. just like we're saying here where it's like ah that was missing or ooh that was yeah. missing or but i'm i'm always willing with marvel and with the mcu right now i'm yeah. still always willing to give them the benefit of the doubt at the beginning at the beginning of yeah. every project we start or every movie we start, I'm going to go in fresh and give them the benefit of the doubt. I do that with every show that I watch. Otherwise, why the yeah. hell am I watching it? I don't like to hate watch things. I just don't. No. Like I can spend my no. time doing other stuff. Like I, there's so much good stuff out there that I'd rather, I'd rather do it. So if it ever well, gets to, to a point yeah. where Tim and I mm-hmm. are like fed up, we're just going to stop talking about it. Like we're not going to be here always <laughs> hating on everything. Um, that right. just that wouldn't be fun to do. So pressure no, is I'll on. Say this, I, I'm worried. I, I'm not saying that. Like you're saying, you'll you'll always go into it with an open mind. 
I mean, my expectations are ratcheting lower and lower. Obviously, yeah, like, and it, it comes back up a little all, bit when you have your guardians. Yeah, we're all like, human. You can only remember and, like, what the last mm-hmm. thing we saw was. And for all of us now, the next Marvel thing we see, we're going to remember Secret Invasion and how we yeah. felt watching that. We can't help that. I will. It'll fit into the average of our like our mm-hmm. assessment of of the series. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm closer now to being like, yo, let's reboot this thing than I ever have been. I, I I never thought that I would be like, I want to start over fresh because the MCU has been so sullied that I feel like they can't they can't fix it. Now I'm not quite there yet, but I'm almost there. And like, then, I, I, that's, that's right around the corner for me right now. And if and people- I, I just did not see that coming. When people are feeling that there's a, you know, there's a few different things to talk about with that. And you wonder Mm -hmm. if, you know, a lot of it has to do with how good and how correct some of the initial characters and casting were like, is anybody ever going to be able to have the same weight that like Robert Downey Jr. That like Stark and Steve Rogers did. I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I really don't think like, and, and you, you're sort of feeling the lull missing those mm-hmm. guys right now like you, you you almost really feel it um yeah we we hope better moving forward i yeah. yeah i don't think that many of these series and shows even the ones that we thought could have been a little better or maybe we personally didn't like i very rarely felt like they were bad like there are misses right. there are things where like that wasn't needed right or okay that was yeah. cute or silly but there are there are not many times where I went that really felt like there were just full scenes missing. That yeah. really felt like there were so many holes. There are mm-hmm. th- this feeling was a different, almost a different feeling than I've had from from watching any Marvel stuff that I that I can remember. Um, yeah. and not not in a good way. We put a bow on <laughs> Secret Invasion. This one is in the books. August the twenty third. Ahsoka starts on disney plus and following that tim kelly and i will be breaking down the ahsoka series if you want a little prerequisite homework um clone wars and rebels the animated series on disney plus in the next month or so for anyone that's listening to this if you want to get sort of ready for ahsoka those are cool to throw on in the background while you're doing work they're really quick a lot of them are like 18 to 20 minute episodes they're fast and then you'll get to know some of these characters that you're going to be introduced to in ahsoka Mm -hmm. so um easy watch something to throw on in the background uh in the next month or so if anyone wants to get ready for ahsoka tk buddy i love i i get the like the i get the feels the 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 excited feels every time we finish something even after something like this that wasn't that great because it's like wow yeah Chalk up another one for us, man. We've covered yep. a lot of ground in this MCU world um, since WandaVision. And I uh, can't thank you enough for all the time. And you had, in the middle of this, another child was born in your family <laughs> yeah. right now. Like, as this has been going on, and you've still been able to help out and do the recaps and do the reviews. And I can't thank you enough. And I, uh, I look forward to talking to you in uh, about a month or so from now about Ahsoka. Appreciate that, Gino. Thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to that, too. It's going to be a, a fun watch. Ahsoka is Dave Filoni's show. Um, I haven't seen much Clone Wars yet, but there are a lot of fans of that show who just you know, speak very, very highly of it and love that that show and everything he's done. So I have pretty high hopes for this. Uh, 
And Me I hope too. that this can really redeem some of the, the bad recent track record for the Disney Plus shows. Uh, and this break will be great for the MCU. They're getting time, you know, in post-production to, you know, dial things in. Maybe clean things up a little work. bit, please. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they can clean things up, slow things down a little bit to fine tune the, the Marvels a little bit more before that release date. Uh, you know, all good things. We don't need to rush anymore. I think uh, we the, the the MCU and Disney has learned a little bit from that, and to our benefit, they're going to be slowing down, focusing on quality over quantity moving forward, and that's exactly what we need right now. Yep. So, and you know, I'm, and I'm you know what? For what what the future holds. If that was the plan, where we have a new app, and then timing wise, there's a pandemic, there's not <laughs> as much people aren't going out as much. Let's release a lot more things on the app, and then. Mm-hmm. It didn't work that great. You know what? Yeah. If if they, I've done and tried things, they don't work. You know what you do? You fix it and you move on. Yeah. If that was the approach and now it's going to be back to less quantity, more quality, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm fine with taking swings at things. Did we get a bunch of great things out of it? No, but we did get some a few good things out of it. No doubt yeah. about it. And we did get introduced to some characters and it wasn't all just a waste of our time. But now yeah. – you can't just – that's the definition of insanity if you're doing the same thing over and over <laughs> yeah. again and expecting a different result. Now we know mm-hmm. your fans and your base who is loyal, you don't want to rub them the wrong way anymore. Get back to making these people feel like the quality is there, and I, I do I do trust that we will get back there uh, starting hopefully yeah. with the Marvels in, uh, yeah. in November. But before we go there, we'll go to the world of Star Wars with Ahsoka. Tim Kelly, thank you so much for hanging out with us, buddy. You You have a great, great rest of your weekend. And uh, we will be back in about a month or so talking some Ahsoka. Make sure to follow Tim at TimIsNotFunny on Twitter and on Instagram. You can check out all of his great music projects there and anything going on with TK. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. We were a little harsh on Secret Invasion, but I... You know, we we won't pull the punches. We'll give credit where credit is due, and I didn't think it was uh, it was due in this particular case. Tim will be back to talk Ahsoka in uh, just a few weeks. Thanks so much to Eric for helping us out with the NFC West preview. Thanks to TK for helping us out with Secret Invasion. Good luck to you on Friday at Saratoga, at Woodbine, at Del Mar. Now, we do have another episode coming out. This next episode will have... Saturday, Louisiana Downs, preview of all six stakes races. I recorded about an hour. Phil Cleek, handicapper and owner, and then Roxanne Tanner, who does the on-track handicapping at Louisiana Downs. They both joined me. We went through all six of the stakes races to preview for Louisiana. That's going to be on the next episode. Barry Spears joined me to talk all about Saratoga, the five stakes races there. So we've got a conversation on that. And then Woodbine, we'll hit the pick five there. And... Del Mar, best bets there. So we'll have four different tracks for Saturday, guests for two of them, and we'll have the SummerSlam preview. Unfortunately, Chad Cooper couldn't join this week, but we will have uh, still a preview because we got a big event coming up on Saturday for the WWE, but that's all on another episode. We couldn't even fit it on this one. Good luck this weekend, folks, and make sure to tune in to the uh, the Saturday racing and the SummerSlam preview because Saturday is a fun day of racing out there, especially at Louisiana. Make sure to dive into those races if you if you weren't planning on it. Six stakes, each of them seventy five thousand, huge fields, 
grass, dirt racing, lots of fun this weekend.